It's the Tiltcast episode 465, Dirty Dirty Drives. The dirtiest. And this week, guys, we are going to talk about the Mass Effect Remaster, a whole lot about the Odyssey Alpha for Elite Dangerous, um, Half-Life Alex and VR, Subnautica Below Zero, and we're going to actually talk a little bit more about Quest VR. So tune in and hear me and Nymp talk like crazy. Ah, uh, this is a very quiet podcast. Um, Just breathe it in. Yeah, it's the Tiltcast, <laughs> Red Reddit Show. I'm Nost. I'm Rusty. I'm Jason. And I have a guest, the Nymp. Um, <laughs> and you're gonna get an indeterminate amount of minutes of bullshit, some games, and some news. So I guess I better just go ahead and say what in the hell's going on. Rusty's in Michigan. I told you guys that was going to happen. Um, but um, Jason, um, do your thing. Send him good vibes and good thoughts. Uh, his wife's in a car wreck. He had an emergency. He needs to stay home right now. Everybody's okay. So nobody's dead. Um, got a mild concussion with his wife. But uh, everybody's a-okay. He just needs to take care of the family tonight. Um, but I was able to get a hold of Nymp last week. We'd already planned on this, so we're back in studio well, together as the duo we, cast. Yeah, we planned on part of this. So. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's the Nymph and Nas show. Um, <laughs> so um, I haven't had you on. It's been about what about a month or six weeks, something like that. Something, yeah. I know it hadn't been a crazy long. Um, has there been anything crazy or anything different you've been up to lately? The only major thing is that I work day shift now, so which just started this past week, so I am still getting used to that. The sun freaked me out the first couple of days I woke up in the morning because that used to mean if the sun was up and I was just waking up, I fucked up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what, how does it feel to not be a skinwalker anymore? It feels nice. Um... I don't like having to deal with more people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I but, can understand that. Yeah. But other than that, though, I mean, it's not, I get that mostly I just hang out with my family, which isn't something I had the opportunity to do a whole lot of. So now I get to come home. I get to hang out with my kids. I, um, my wife still works a little bit later into the afternoon. So I hang out with them, mess around with them. And then my wife gets done. Um, she works at home. So as soon as she shuts the computer off, you know, I can see her. Then we make dinner, and then we all pretend to be a happy family. So, well, the American I mean, dream. <laughs> hey, but so you're both working from home now? No, just her. Um, I actually, I'm, I took over a whole new site too. So I was when I was working nights, I was taking over six facilities. I was in charge of. Now I'm in charge of one facility. But it happens to be the only facility that I'd never stepped foot in before because they didn't do anything during the night. Um, this place is where all of like the presidents, the vice presidents, the CEOs, CFOs, COOs, you know, way upper leadership all congregate and hang out and do their jobs. And those are the people that I work with now. So I guess there's a little bit more pressure, but at the very least, the schedule is a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I try not to let it get to me, especially when they're like all the upper management or I'm sorry, all these higher people all use Macs now. And I have experience with Macs. 
enough experience to know that I don't like dealing with Max. So. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I mean, so I have a computer science degree that's uh, 16, 17, 17 years old now that doesn't apply to jack shit. Um, but I've kind of kept myself somewhat in practice, right? And I'm kind mm -hmm. of like the I, – I work in our training department, so I'm kind of like the guy that people go to before they actually have to call IT. And I know enough about our systems to fix most things, but Max, the most I deal with Mac is my old iPad Air. And I fucking hate the file structure. I hate how things install. Um, I hate the way that it just manages everything. And everything is like supposed to be grandma and grandpa fam friendly, but it's not like tech friendly. Like the file structure yeah. when you're used to a Windows or Linux file structure just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's... So my degree is in a network administration. So I usually deal with servers, all that fun stuff. That's all Unix, Linux, all that fun stuff. So Max, if you squint your eyes really hard, it's almost like a Linux slash Unix machine in a weird way. Except for that it's throwing a lot I guess a lot more complicated errors when something doesn't work properly. <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you this. Google has been my friend. So <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, it's, it's not that bad. Um, it's just something for me to pick up and just figure it out. So a lot of the things that I've had to deal with lately are just simple things like, Hey, my printer is not working. You know, I can't contact it or whatever. All right, that's simple. I know how to fix that, even on a Mac. Um, I'm waiting to get something fun, like, hey, I downloaded this thing, and now my computer doesn't work. <laughs> well, then you can just, you know, reinstall, some, what is it, Leopard or Snow Leopard? It's probably beyond that. It's one of the cats, right? Well, we are on Big Sur now. Before this, Bert it was Catalina. Big, it's called Big Sur? Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a uh, was it S U R, not S I R. So, I mean, that's another thing, right? Like the naming convention is supposed to be it's all right brain. Like everything Mac seems right brain, right? Like mm -hmm. Windows, you you know, you got XP, and then you know you've got Windows ninety five, Windows three, Windows you know seven, Windows ten. Like they're numbered jumps between versions, right? And then Mac is like, let's name it after an animal, or let's name it after a person. Like it's just, or then you get into Android. It's like let's just name it after a Kit Kat, yeah, or a fruit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not terrible. And I'm not to set everyone straight. I am not a big proponent of Windows either. I think Windows also sucks shit. However, I am more used to using Windows because it is the more very common OS that everyone uses. So yeah. you're kind of used to it. You understand that when you hit the window key on your keyboard, it's going to open up the start menu, and then you can start typing stuff in there and find the program that you need. Right. Like, you understand what device manager is. You understand, like, how to find stuff in settings, right? Like, they're yep. all, even between versions, they're all fairly similar. You understand what to do in a command prompt if you need to do something, you know? Yep. Um, it's just the familiarities there. Yeah. And it also doesn't help, too, that it's not not everyone in this company uses Macs. So it's just this special case. And a lot of things with Macs does not integrate very well with the systems that this company has set up. So, like, we can't even use 
like the Microsoft version of like a backup, like USMT backup for Windows is something called Time Machine. We can't use that to pull files, like to have them back up from one Mac to another. So since they all have the Office 365 suite on their Macs anyway, which why you just don't have a Windows PC to begin with since you're using Microsoft products anyway, I don't fucking know. But we have to have them load all their files onto OneDrive. That way we can pull it off of OneDrive onto their new Mac. It's all that's, stupid. That's amazing. <laughs> well. Um, so that's Tech Minute. <laughs> yeah, Tech Minute. Nimp and Nas. Um, yeah, I've, I've been trying to find new ways to make life more interesting with work at home. Um, so, I mean, we've got Jess will be here next week, so that's good. Um, but me and the dog get pretty bored sometimes. Obviously that leads to lots of video gaming, which is great for this show. But, um, I decided to start doing my grocery pickups at a store that's like 20 miles away. Um, oh, wow. and I've got a pretty gas efficient car, so it's not that big a deal, but like it gives me enough time to like, roll down the windows and turn on the stereo and drive, spend an hour for no reason outside of the house. I was going to ask, is it just so that you can leave the house and not come back for a little bit? Basically, because I have I have one, two, three, four grocery stores within two miles of my house. So it's like normally for me, it's, you know, I set up pick up with Whole Foods and Aldi and then Walmart and a local chain called Reesers, depending on what I want to get. And I set them all for about the same time because, you know, they'll hold it all for about an hour. So you just take a little circuit and then I'm done grocery shopping the whole trip. Including grocery shopping for if I do all four stores is about thirty minutes, including drive time. So it's just, you know, you just go and hit all the little spots and then come right back and then I'm done with my adventure. So I say it's getting nice out anyway, so Well, I mean, me and the dog take walks a lot, so but you know, they're usually walks in my neighborhood. I mean <laughs> it's just <laughs> the scenery doesn't change. Um you go slowly a little bit crazy. Um, with that being said, I don't actually have that much bullshit. Um, I do. I mean, I, we talked a little bit about VR and I've got some things that I played in VR that are really cool. Um, and that's a thing I was going to actually go through a couple more things with VR that I figured out with the Oculus Quest 2. Um, since it is the more reasonable, um, uh, VR headset out of everything so far. I know later on in the news section, it's going to talk about there's a new, Valve product coming out that's crazy expensive. Um, and not all of us like shit gold. So, um, yeah. I want to talk about normal man's VR that's pretty close to as good. Um, so with the Oculus Quest, um, I wear glasses. I mean, a lot of you guys don't see us, right? I post a picture every now and then on Twitter. Um, but I wear glasses and normally in VR, that's extremely uncomfortable. And I don't yep. know if you've wore a VR headset, but like, finding the right setting for it to where you're not like scratching the lenses and then you got the right adjustment on the strap. So it kind of hangs there in a weird way. Yeah. Um, normally sucks ass. And, and in my old windows media headset, like it had this thing where it was an Asus and you could flip it up like a welding helmet and then flip it back down. But I had to adjust the strap in a way to where it kind of flopped down, but it was about an inch away from my eyes. So it makes it hard to see. Um, I found, online on Amazon for about $7, and I do everything on the cheap, um, these little things that are just little silicone 
grommets, I guess would be what it looks like an O-ring for the lens. Okay. And it sticks up, let's say, I don't know, 10 millimeters, if that. And it allows you to get your glasses right up on the lens. Without oh, so you're not lens to lens. You've got like a little piece of rubber or whatever. Basically, yeah. It doesn't okay. scratch my glasses, but it lets you get really close. So like, there's a glasses spacer that comes with it, but it still kind of hangs a little far away and you got to really wiggle it around. And with VR, because you're so close, if you're not in that sweet spot, um, it gets a little bit blurry. So that actually helps out a hell of a lot. And then I was talking about it. There's this little project uh, product that I found that is a little head pad for the back of your head that mm-hmm. redistributes the weight because the strap on the Quest 2 is kind of garbage. Um, so between the two, it like all the weights on the back of my head and on my brow ridge. But I've got nothing on my cheeks. I figured out another thing, right? When you set it up kind of weird, if the weight is on your cheeks, it pulls your eyelids open. <laughs> so you can see what I'm doing, but you can't because it's an audio podcast. But like if you take your your fingers and put them on your cheekbone and then pull down just a little bit. Think about that for about an hour. What happens is your eyes get super dry and it doesn't take much of pulling your lid down because you're not fully blinking for that to like kind of fuck with your vision and it kind of migraine inducing. You feel like you're in that torture scene where they got your eyes pried open so you can watch whatever bullshit it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like from like uh, like uh, Dead Space or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so... You know, these little bitty adjustments that I made, I think my total add-ons right now, the head thing was like $15, just a silicone molded thing that fits inside the strap, and then the little eye lens things, which also came with a little uh, cover, like a dust cover for the lenses so that you don't get sunlight or dust on them, Mm -hmm. um, was like $7.99, and they're just these little silicone grommets that fit on it. I think I looked up glasses, Oculus Quest 2 is what I looked up on Amazon to find it. And well worth it because I was able to take the glasses spacer out and readjust that thing to where I could get my eyes right up on it in a way that didn't like really fuck with my, I was going to talk about this a little later, but I was able to play like full gameplay sessions of Elite Dangerous in VR. Nice. Um, the Oculus Quest does a couple of other things that are really cool too. So there's a feature that, so if you've ever played VR and I don't, have you pl- had much experience with VR? No. The only experience I have is with the uh, PSVR. Okay, so I think there's a boundary. Pretty you nice. Can, yeah, <laughs> you can set a boundary for it, right? Yep. Okay, so this does the same thing. You got your seated boundary, no boundary, or a drawn boundary, right? Yep. And you can also like draw in different things that are in your path. So I've got a I've got a little keyboard stand for a laptop that I use in my living room to wheel my keyboard around. So I've got that as my quote unquote desk. Um, and then I've drawn in my couch so I can sit down on my couch and then I'll recognize that I'm sitting on a couch and switch to seated view. Um, and then if I lean my head outside the boundary, it goes to black and white mode and it switches to the cameras so I can see what's going on around me. So if I get outside the boundary or I hear my dog doing something crazy, I can just lean my head out the boundary and see what's going on. And then it's layered, right? So the video layer, like goes transparent with your game to the point like as you're leaning out it's getting more and more transparent until you're on camera mode and it kind um, of turns into like ar instead of vr yeah it's really weird but it's a really cool feature i think um yeah with the with the psvr you don't like draw your boundaries but the way that you can set your boundaries with your camera um depending on how you have your camera set you know how high and how far back you are from it 
it kind of sets as long as your helmet or whatever you want to call it is within that camera box that it can see all of your lights and stuff. You're considered within the boundary, but the moment that it it can't detect what it needs to find, it'll you know you'll get that little flash warning on your um, visor HUD, whatever the fuck we're calling this. It'll basically tell you, hey, you're out of your bound. You know the camera can't see you anymore. So like with my room, my room's not that big in here. So I mostly do it sitting. So I have the camera below my TV and I've got quite a bit of movement that I can do within that. But like in my living room, I can have the camera up in the corner above my TV and basically set the camera up. So as long as I don't have furniture or anything that the camera can see, it's like, all right. So if I walk out and it warns me that I'm outside of the camera boundary, that means I'm about to fucking walk into something. So. <laughs> Yeah, I still have my PSVR. My dog ate the the cord on the camera, so I haven't used it in a while. Uh, it'd be it's nice really to get cool. into and Thumper, but I was gonna say, and I don't with the for me, I don't have an issue with the spacing. I have the version two of it, which was a slight upgrade from the original one um, that they released. Um, I don't have an issue with like the the spacing for the glasses or anything like that with um with that VR headset. I also don't have it is excuse me. It is kind of heavy, but not anything terrible. So, and it's only got, you know, the one strap and it's basically, you can uh, notch it in the back. So that way um, it's like real, um, I can't think of the word right now. So it's real tight on like your forehead. Right. Like just like wearing a hat Um, and you can loosen that up to whatever's comfortable for you. So it's pretty comfortable. I enjoy using it. It does suck sometimes that the cable gets in the way a little bit here and there, but you've got a pretty long cable too. So I usually just wrap it around my shoulder. That way it's in front of me. That way I don't trip it or flick it around or something. <laughs> so I've been, I've been, I, so I use a quest, right? Like they, I was talking about it last week. The interface right now is a USB C to I was gonna U- talk to you about that too, but go on. So what I do is I run it through the head strap. And then if I want to get really want to move around a lot, um, I've taken a binder clip and mm-hmm. I c- connect it to my back belt loop with the cord. So, again, yeah, hey. I'm, I'm a cheap <laughs> man when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like I will make things work in a way that's I'm sure there's some kind of clips. And I've seen the people, the police system just would kill me if I had pulleys running in the living room. <laughs> this thing I can put away and it's out of out of spa- out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm not living that quite that bachelor life where I'm like running pulleys for my virtual sex dungeon in the living room. Um, so like, you know, but cheap man's way of doing this is for me, like you can thread the cable through the back headband and then just take a binder clip, like a really fat one. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the big black ones that everyone pretends are airplanes. Yeah, I've got a binder clip horse around here somewhere. I just can't find is that, it. Is that an old man thing now where only our generation knows what I just said right now? <laughs> yeah, because nobody nobody everybody nobody uses files anymore. Even my job, like especially going to work at home, was all virtual, right? But I used to have yeah. documentation on every employee, right? And yeah. I had binder clips. Um, but I don't think that a lot of people use those nowadays. Um kind of a, I guess that is kind of a rarity. I use them for cable management. Honestly, I like, binder I, clips I are like a shit the, ton of them at work that I use for hanging stuff up onto the uh, pen boards and stuff. <laughs> I use them for stuff like that. I use them for cable management. Um, I make little animals out of them. Um, yeah. So, um, but anyways, yeah, a binder clip. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, they are an expandable. It's like a super strong hair clip. That's what it's like. Yeah. For paper. Um, 
But yeah, this thing, it's a monster and you just use it and you can grab the cable and just hook it on your belt. What, what were you going to ask me about the cable? So what I was going to ask you, you were talking about how you were playing it a little bit on your porch, correct? Correct. Not with a and, cable. Correct. But you were saying that you want you, that you prefer doing it at night. That way, your neighbors can't see you because you don't want to be looking like a weirdo and stuff. Right. Now, the thing that I cashed away in my mind when I heard that was so during the day, you don't want to be on your porch looking like a weirdo. But at nighttime, with all the lights and shit, that's completely fucking fine. It is absolutely fine. <laughs> I will absolutely defend that. Actually, so there's no way my neighbors could see me. I got a seven foot privacy fence so if i wanted to dance around in my underwear like the star wars kid out in the backyard nobody would be the wiser i I was just because i don't know how i don't know if yours has any lights on it or anything like that but i was just thinking with like the psvr with the light sensors that i have on there i look like some fucking spaceman out in my front porch (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it doesn't because it's so it's inside out tracking with the psvr right the camera tracks the lights correct on the wands and on the hmd Yep. Uh, with this, it's got, I don't know, I'm thinking from memory. I want to say one, two, three, four, five, six little fisheye cameras on it Okay. that kind of coalesce into a single picture. It just like stitches it together. Um, I only know that because I can see that mode when I'm looking through the cameras. But it uses those uh, little cameras to track um, infrared lights on the um, on the controllers, and it uses accelerometers on the controllers once they get out of sight. But like Rusty was saying last week, and then for anybody that listened last week, right, like he's, Rusty is a Star Wars kid when it comes to Beat Saber. Like he is really good at it. Um, he plays everything on Expert. He can play the one-handed mode shit um, on Expert, right? I think it's like yeah. ultra hard mode or whatever. But he was doing a lot of crosshand stuff with it to where it would have lost tracking, right? But it just, the wizardry inside the accelerometers does a really good job. Um, the only time I have tracking issues is if I leave a controller sitting somewhere for a while and go walk away with the headset for a while with it out of sight, but it keeps track in a weird way. So there's a lot of different ways it's tracking because I, I'm in this podcast room, right? And the, if you can't see this, it's audio only, but Nymph, you can see me. I'm looking at a wall over here in front of me, which is about eight feet away. And then another 10 feet behind that. Um, is where my keyboard is. And so I had the controller sitting over there, and from in here I could see the controllers on the HMD, which was weird. I don't know. That's why I say, like, it's got some wizardry with the tracking. I don't know what it's doing. I don't know how much of it's radio or... I haven't looked into it, but it does a really good job. It it knew where they're at. But if it's not looking in a direction where the controllers are at for a long time, it just, they're out of sight, out of mind for a bit. Um, until That's I get actually a to... really cool way to track them if you can't find them for a minute. Yeah, it's like, like having if you set super... them down and just completely forgot where you put them. I don't. I haven't tested that, but I mean, I guess I could put it on and then just like, you know, Superman X-ray vision my way through the house to find the controllers. Yeah, but, but yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in between here and there. I mean, we've got the ball, the wall, got a TV uh, that's on the other side of this wall. I've got this soundproof black dungeon material. It's uh, what it is. It's shredded up denim in between like these really thick comforter looking material, um, which is why this room's so dead. Um, and then, you know, it's it's another room like 10 feet away. So it's like it's fairly impressive on the tech. And, you know, that's, Oculus is owned by Facebook, so it's got Facebook money. So I don't 
And, you know, it's, uh, who's the guy that did Doom? Do you know who I'm talking about? That did, that made Doom? Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, no, but I do know who you were talking John, about. John Carmack. Are John you sure? Carmack. Yeah, I'm John Carmack. Yeah, you're thinking of the other guy that is also a big co contributor, but John Carmack works for Oculus now. Yes. Yep. So, and he's a really freaking smart dude. Um, He's into the minutia of programming and games and cutting edge design stuff, but he's a big, you know, a big contributor to Oculus stuff. So I'm sure with him at the helm, right? Like they just, there's a lot of smart ideas and there's nothing wrong with steam. Don't get me wrong. Like index is really fucking impressive. What this doesn't have is it doesn't have touch controllers. Um, what this doesn't have is it doesn't have 144 Hertz. What it does have is a better display and the ability in some situations to go to 120 Hertz. It also doesn't have a $1,400 price tag. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> on eBay, uh, shoots anywhere from about $250 to $299. They're getting ready to do a Quest. They did a Quest 3 announcement, so I'm sure there'll be even more things. But the philosophy, and I was watching an announcement for this, is to make everything that works with Quest 3 work with Quest 2. It's just, you know, an additional lens technology. It uses those Fresnel lenses, right? Yeah, you know, which are the ones that like do things in steps, so the lenses don't weigh like a pound each. Um, you can look them up if you're interested. I'm not going to get into that because it would be boring. But, um, anyways, long story short, the tech behind it is really impressive, especially for the price tag. Um, it is like Rusty is 100 percent impressed. He's got a regular Rift, um, and he has five USBs plugged into his computer for that Rift. Um, I have one, and I can do none. It's just there's some compression that goes on there. And the crazy thing with the compression, because, you know, when I was talking about being in the backyard, right, I was doing that via AirLink. Yeah. And it uses your router. So it will go up to 6 gigahertz for your transfer rate. Um, but there's not a lot of 6 gigahertz routers out there. That's a pretty off-the-wall item. Um, and the ones you can get are fairly expensive. Um, so I'm using a 5 gigahertz router, and it's only really reliable at a, a – in my case – Here's what I have, and a lot of people have this. I don't, I don't know if they have Cox Cable where you're at. Nope. That's, okay, so that's what I have, which is a nationwide carry or almost national or national car- cable carrier. Um, I have their um, modem and router combo for their um, Gigablast service, which is kind of notoriously kind of shit. Um, and I get about 170 megabits per second on the um transfer rate through the five gigahertz wireless portion of it, which is okay. Um but with the USB C I get five hundred on it. So the vast difference. And all that means is that it gets blurrier because the compression changes, but it doesn't artifact. It just gets blurrier and fixes it with anti aliasing. Um so it gets rid of the jaggies for the if you guys have heard that term. Yeah, you basically just have to deal with buffering for a brief second. Yeah, well, and it doesn't even really buffer. Like, I'm not even seeing that. It's just, like, there's no loss between my movement and what I see. Oh, so it's just a quality drop, basically? It's just a quality drop. It still runs the same frame rate and everything. It just drops the overall quality down um, to make it match the bit rate that you're on. And it has an auto quality adjustment for that. Um, I just prefer a crisper picture and the the ability to super sample. So... I'm super sampling at like two steps right now. So that's like 404096 is the resolution per eye, you know, and it's a circle. So it's not like a buy anything else. Right. Yeah. But it's 4096, which is really fucking high. 
Um, I've got the hardware to do it, um, but it's uh, it will run pretty normally. And like I said, you've got 72 hertz option, which will work, an 80 hertz option, uh, a 90 hertz option, and 120 hertz. And I typically float it between 90 and 120, but some games hate 120. Um, it just freaks out, so you kind of have to play with it. But the best VR buy I've, I've ever done um, by a long shot. And you paid two ninety nine. I assume for your PSVR, right? Two fifty, actually. Okay. And so. I got Borderlands two and uh, Beat Saber was the other game. Yeah, those are both pretty quality. Yeah. Um, Border- Borderlands two, I get motion sickness from. I haven't been able to go back to that, but I mean, I've played like Beat Saber, absolutely fine, no issues with that. But I've played like a uh, Zoda the Enders two in VR. That just kills you. No, that's fucking great. I love that. I but have some of the Enders on PC. I ought to try that in VR. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is between... Because you have the same option where you can fully control um, Jahute, or you can do like the teleporting thing, and it's the same thing in Borderlands, where you can walk or you can do the teleporting. But it, for some reason, the old PS2 game that they decided that they're going to remake into a PS4 game and then add VR to it does it a lot better than this ps3 game slash ps4 game they're like yeah let's put let's make this specifically vr because they've got it's not that they took borderlands 2 and just said okay yeah now we can do the vr like this is an actual hey this is the borderlands 2 vr edition this is specifically made for vr and it's still weird for me (laughs) have you tried any of the so have you tried any of the modifiers to plug in your psvr to your pc i have not tried that yet there's a mod that lets you do that. Um, I don't know what card you're running on your PC, but um, there's a lot more VR games on PC than there is on the consoles. It is something that I have dinked around with because I will tell you that Elite Dangerous is the main driver for me wanting to do anything VR. So. Well, let me sell you on an Oculus, too, an Oculus Quest <laughs> 2 because I have been playing Elite Dangerous in VR. And that's a fantastic segue because I think me and you have quite a bit to talk about. And we've got a huge release coming out next week. Oh, yeah. Or I guess that's this week, technically. The 19th, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even see the date. Today's the 15th, right? Yes, it is. And it is 8.52 p.m. See, I'm off my game. I don't have Jason Rusty here. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so like, I have, you know, with all those adjustments, right, I've been playing Elite Dangerous in VR. And I've gotten to the point where I don't want to play it in regular at all that um, is completely understandable it is it's elite dangerous is immersive as hell to begin with yeah um in vr there's a lot of advantages i don't do what's your primary activity in elite dangerous so i mostly do trading um currently right now and actually what i did today is a lot more exploration um what is it about a year ago I decided that I was going to go to the center of our galaxy. And I did that. What are you flying in right now? I am flying an Asp Explorer that I have engineered. Now, before everyone gets all hot and heavy, this was engineering before engineering is what it is now. So, Well, you know more about Elite than I do. I've got only two exploring ships, and I know I can get a, uh, a jump conda if I wanted to go that route. Yeah. Um, so my ASP, because I put an uh, an SVR um, unit in there, it only jumps 31 light years a jump at max. What's that? What was that? Oh, the... 
the little scarab thing that you can drive around on the planets. Gotcha. Um, because I figured if I'm going to go exploring, I want to be able to land on stuff and I want to be able to check it out. Um, this is on my Xbox account right now um, that I've done all this on. Because that one, I've got like shit tons of money. I have Just, all the big three. I own like shit tons of ships. I've got like 400 hours on that version of it right now. So What's what's your account balance for your space bucks on your Xbox account after playing it this long? Uh, I right now I currently have like 200 million. So let me blow your mind a little bit. So how long does it take you to get 200 million with trading right now? Jesus. Honestly, I don't know because I haven't traded in forever. I know the thing that I was doing that got me the most money was there was a mission where you would grab, um, from an area called Sothis and you would go to another system that was like 10 light years away, which was basically one jump. And I think I was making about three to four million because you would basically grab like all the missions going to the other system, go to that system, drop off all your missions and then grab everything going to Sothis and then go back. And you would just basically hop and within an hour you were getting like several millions of credits. So let me blow your mind a little bit. So that was the kind of stuff I was doing prior to about a month ago. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I had... I'm not going to list every single ship, right? But I had my Vulture, and I felt really good about having a Vulture that was, like, engineered and kitted the fuck out, right, for fighting. Yeah. Um, I had a an engineered Type 6 that I was doing my trading in. Um, I had I have a Cobra Mark III and a Mark IV, Viper Mark III and Mark IV, right? Um, and I had all of those engineered out because I felt like that was my limiting factor was cash on what I was going to do. And then Rusty discovered a video on platinum mining. Platinum mining um, is honestly not that boring, and you make money really fast. When I say really well, fast, $55 million an hour right now. Yeah. It's And stupid. with the way that they've changed how you can do mining now, it's a lot better it than used just to suck staring ass. at a meteor and shooting a laser at it and then killing all your fucking limpets because they're stupid and running into your laser beam all the time. Yeah, so the limpets work a little bit better now, but um, I've got, you know... I can launch five limpets at a time, I think, on my um, Python. But I did it in a Type 7 trader, right? Like, this is how fast I upgraded. I did yeah. three mining runs in my Type 6 with its baby lasers, and which took me a really long time. That's six hours for those three three mining runs, right? And I made about $25 million. Yep. But that got me then up for the Type 7, which had the huge-ass hole or huge-ass cargo hold and still baby lasers and a shit power distributor. Um, and that took me, you know, it was taking me about an hour and a half to two hours a run, but it's like 200 and something odd tons of cargo. So I'm bringing back all this fucking platinum and then selling it and then making a shitload. But it's jump run range was shit. Um, I didn't have an engineer drive on it. So it'd take me like 40 minutes to get out to the place and 40 minutes to get back. And then like another hour, uh, plus of mining. And then I bought the Python, made a run with it. That took me a long time because of my jump range. Then engineered my drive to get better jump range. Put baby shields on it to get more cargo space and more limpets. Went back to the same place. And the whole run, including the jump, to and back, and trading and everything, it only takes me 35 to 40 minutes to fill up my hold with 192 platinum. It is usually four to five jumps back. Um, and then four to five jumps back out there. So, you know, four to five jumps doesn't take that long. And this is yeah. no scoops. 
So I don't even have to scoop um, back and forth. So it's been a game changer. It's been it changed the way I play because now it's I need a little bit of cash. All right, I'm going to do a mining run or two this game session. Maybe I'm going to get a hundred million because I want to kit something out, and then I go back and do whatever else I'm doing. Rusty's crazy. I mean, we talked about him being a billionaire on here, <laughs> um, but he's been doing it all on a Python. Um, same thing, platinum mining, and then he got ferried it up, did the depth charge thing, you know, the explosive core mining, and then he started doing the drill mining too to f- figure that out. Um, but yeah, I've got like fucking engineered A rated. I've got a Python right now that switched from being a miner to a fighter. I bought a crate mark too. This is all in like in a month. I've made $650 million inside of a, a month of dicking around. And this is not me being really serious about mining. This is me just mining till I got some cash to get my upgrades and going back and do it, dicking around. Well, that's, that's my big, because for me, I love doing the trading. I don't know what it is. It's, it's that whole Futurama thing of, no, I don't want to be a delivery boy. Oh, what's that? I'm a space delivery boy. Fuck. Yeah. So, it's good podcast gaming. I'll tell you that much. I don't, yeah. Um, so I did that for a lot of my gameplay and I am elite in trading and the whole thing that sparked me wanting to go to the center of our galaxy is one, I wanted to do it. And two, I wanted to start working on my, um, oh shit, what do, what do they call it? The, uh, exploration. Oh yeah. I think it is the, yeah. Um, which right now I am on the... Oh, crap. What is it called? I forget what it's called now, but I'm basically on the last title before I get elite in that. I'm like 39% in until I hit elite status on that one as well. Um, And I actually today just made it to Colonia. Oh, damn. Um, Yeah. So I'm. That's a long ways. I've been out in the black for too long. Um, I saw ships for the first time today pop up on my radar and I'm like, God damn, when was the last time I've seen somebody fly <laughs> do you play open play or do you play solo or always play? open play i am that crazy motherfucker where everyone's like why do you play an open i'm like because i enjoy it i've never like actually too when i first got into colonia i got interdicted i can't tell you how long it's been since i've been interdicted and it took me a second to real because you get that noise and then you know your screen changes so that way you've got the uh the uh target that you're supposed to be following to get out of being interdicted and it took me a second when I heard that noise. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And then I see everything toggle up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember what to do now. <laughs> Just another player dicking with you? Yeah, because I didn't have anything. Like, I'm not – I don't have any cargo or anything. All I had was my data, and I'd be – there's no fucking way in hell I'm letting some dumbass shoot me out of the sky with all this data that I got on me. So. <laughs> yeah, did you already sell the data? Uh, I did right after that because I was working on my way to getting to the station so I could sell it all. <laughs> so Yeah, that's one of the things. One of my goals is going to do that. But then they did uh, – they started doing more of the Thargoid stuff last week or, you know, mid-last week a few days ago. I and did I, notice that more of those icons started popping up in the bubble of places being attacked again. I was like, oh, shit's going down. Yeah, and I haven't seen like a, a station in distress. So I just pulled up the news right on in-game and I was like, okay, so – Delphi system. All right. And then it gives you the list of the stations, right? So I plotted a course. And then what I did is I took my Diamondback Explorer and transferred over my engineer drive to that. With the Diamondback and a Scarab, it's got a jump range of 58 and some change. 
um, which is kind of crazy. But I was, you know, I was going to drive all the way out there with that. And then, um, so it's like a 400 light year jump that in that thing took me like eight minutes mm. um, because of the jump range. So I got all the way out there and then found, I thought was a station, which I didn't realize it was a station under attack in the Delphi system. Um, and then I got in there, I got like the, you know, the notification that I could land. And so I go in there and I start overheating and everything's on fire inside of the station. And I guess that there's probably some kind of mission to deliver shit to there, um, that I haven't messed with yet, which I might actually do because I transferred over, um, my Python, which is my multi-purpose vessel, right? Like I'm just getting out with more cargo racks and then there I go. Um, but that was a really interesting situation. And on my way there. As soon as I entered, I got my first interdiction by a Thargoid, but I've never gotten that before, right? So they hyperdicted me. So it pulled me out of, you know, super space right over, you know? And that was like one of the coolest moments I've had in Elite so far was being hyperdicted out of hyper, which space, right? Yeah. And then you've got the big eye thing comes up and looks at you in your cockpit and everything goes black and you're just sitting there floating. And then it was, so I didn't know how rare this is, but it was two Hydras. So it's a one in two fifty chance to get hit by two hydras at the same time. Um, so I got hit by two hydras. They didn't do anything right. So if you don't fire on them, they don't do anything. I didn't have any guns on the freaking Diamondback Explorer. So I just scanned them and then I did a bunch of orbits around them. I was like, I'm going to practice my maneuvers and see if I can do this. Um, they, my only regret is this is the one time that I pulled off the VR headset for just a moment to take a little breather while I was jumping. Oh man! And so I didn't get to see it in VR. Um, yeah, because that was. Something had happened to me forever ago when the Thargoids first started showing up was it was still new what all they could do. And I didn't know that they could pull you out of witch space, which for those of you that don't play, that's when you're jumping in between stars. And it's basically your loading screen and nothing can pull you out of that except for the Thargoids. And boy, does that fuck you up when it happens the first time, because not only do they yank your ass out of that. They also basically shoot you with an EMP and all of your systems go down. And then, like you were saying, you just have this giant fucking thing float up in your viewpoint. You're like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah, it was really it was really exciting. Uh, You know, I'd seen what happens, right? The people just saying, don't fire at them. They're not going to do anything until you fire at them. So me not having guns, it didn't matter. I was just I was more worried I was going to bounce into them. But and then I just practiced it. The. Watched a lot of videos on fighting them, and then I've tried my own fair share of fighting them in a Viper Mark III, um, which was an ignoramus thing to do. Um, <laughs> battle took forever and never killed it. Ended up trying to warp out of there. But, um, yeah, so I was just practicing my... Because the, the way that you're supposed to fight them, right, is you need a flat cannon, which I haven't found one yet. Um, and you basically go up and attack them, and you got to have, like, a Xeno scanner, and I got to... That's my next, like point is i want to figure out where to get a xeno scanner can't yeah. find good videos on like how do you get set up to fight thargoids that's one problem with elite like sometimes you have to like dig and dig and dig to figure stuff out and there's all these people talking about guardian weapons and i don't want to go yeah. on a guardian grind right now i want to try to figure out how to fight it with regular weapons because i feel like my skill ceiling especially in vr is good enough to do it the the one thing you get in vr and i don't know how you have your weapons bound or your hard points or whatever bound your flight controls is head look so there's in most cases, there's a separate button to head look, right? Yep. And 
you know, that helps you kind of reorient what's going on. But for me on my controller, that means I'm using my right stick, which is normally my thruster controls up, down, left, right to head look while I'm trying to drive with my roll and my pitch controls on my left stick, which means I don't got a lot of maneuverability when I'm head looking. Um, VR. Talk you into buying one of these bad boys. <laughs> yeah, Rusty has one, um, but I I don't. I I just spent a lot of money on the VR, um, and I still have a wedding that's going to come up at some point soon. So I haven't justified the hotels quite yet. Just put it in the registry. Um, I I could Thrustmaster <laughs> and have to figure out which one of my nerd friends can figure out what that is. Um, but yeah, honestly. Like, like the one that I have right now, I don't know if you can buy them anymore because I had to hunt this one down like a year or two ago. Is that ago. a SciTech? No, this is just the regular, um, was it the Hotas Thrustmaster that um, works with the Xbox One? But it's also got the switch on the front, so it'll, um, if you buy either the PS4 version or the Xbox One version, it will only work with that console, but it does have a switch in the front, and both of them will work with the PC. So if I want to play Elite Dangerous on the PC, which I've been doing, all I got to do is flip the switch, plug it in, it works. If I want to play it on the Xbox, just flip it back over, plug it in, and it works. So, and it was like 80 on market, it was $80. So. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Like I, said, I don't know if you can find them anymore because I had to hunt for it. I think I bought that one off of like Dell's website. I don't know what the fuck they were doing with it, but. <laughs> Yeah, one I've got a company store, so we do a lot of like tax-free reward stuff. That's and it's all sorts of random stuff. I was gonna say today I bought a freezer, a car stereo, speakers, like good stuff too. Like I got a Serwin Vega amp, um, some Serwin Vegas. Like my I take six and a half in my car, so I got a two pairs of those, and a uh, what did I get? I got a JVC deck on there. Um, all those stuff with you know my tax-free work bucks or whatever right i don't know what it's gonna be like when they ship me a little freezer but um sometimes they have video game and stuff that's on there you learn how much freight costs <laughs> well they pay for it all oh okay so i don't have to dick with any of that shit um, and they don't have a hotas on that website or anything they did a while back and i never got it well, it was I a thrust it was a thrustmaster warthog that was on there and at the time i didn't have oh, enough that thing's uh, nice enough bucks for that I did. The whole reason I bought Elite for the PC was one, so that I could dick around with the other things that I don't have access to on console. But the primary, primary reason is so that I can eventually drop the $400 on one of those bitchin'-ass flight sticks to use in Elite Dangerous. Yeah, I think Rusty spent around 300 on Logitech. It's the whatever SciTech migrated to. Is that the one that's got the LCD and the toggles on the... I actually haven't seen it. Um, oh, okay. Because he just now dug it out because we started playing Elite again. He's like, I'm going to learn how to use a Hotas. And now he uses a Hotas for everything. But Yeah, I can't play Elite with controllers anymore. Like, I'm so wired to playing it with the Hotas now that if I try to do it with a controller, I just can't fucking remember how to do it. I could. I probably couldn't beat somebody who is familiar with a Hotas, but I know I could PvP pretty all right. Like, I'm. Just started combat again, right? My combat rank is competent, and I'm going up through master level combat encounters right now in my Python. Nice. Um, because I just, you know, you map your thruster, your left and right thruster to the sticks to just click in the sticks when you need it, which feels intuitive, right? Thrust yeah. and right, so I'm clicking my stick, you know, while I'm turning or whatever, right? 
But it, uh, with the head look, what I was getting at is you just looking out of the top of your cockpit to see where the vapor trail goes or where they're going. And you can kind of look to the side as you're trying to get kind of like you get parallel to them and you start to turn your ass to get behind them or underneath them. And so you basically use down thrust while you're pitching up to like sort of orbit around them or side thrust um, while you're turning with flight assist off to get to their side so that you can kind of get out of their cone of fire. But let's say, have you messed with the uh, FA on off? Oh, yeah, I do anymore? that all the time okay. with that. And, and it's did, go ahead. Did you look up that video that he brought up about following the module? Yeah, that's been pretty helpful. That's I was gonna maybe say, better. I, when he said that, I know I watched that same exact video and did that same thing, and that helped a lot with being able to fly with flight assist off. So, it may well flight assist off, right? I'm not one of those crazy people who can fly flight assist off the whole time, but it makes a big difference with combat maneuvers and then pulling those Battlestar Galactica moves. Like, there are some ships that just outmaneuver me, especially my Python, like, got A rated, you know, it's the Dirty Drag Drives, is what I got in it, right? Uh, level yeah. five. Um, and it's got, you know, boost for days. It's got really tight turning and everything else. But if I'm fighting like a freaking, I don't know, um, trying to think of a really maneuverable midsize ship, like a crate um, in my Python, it's impossible for me to outmaneuver it if it's a decent pilot. And so, honestly, I just flip around, fly backwards and just blow his ass to bits because yep. I've got more hull. I've got more shields. I've got shield boosters. I've got chaff. Um, I'm just going, and I've got, you know, engineered efficient beam lasers and I've got a flat cannon and a corrosive, uh, multi. So it's game over, right? Fertilance, like I can wipe every Fertilance out right now. And I'm, I bought one again, I've got the money too. So I got one, kitted it out, but I'm scared to use it because the hole on it is fucking paper and I don't have prismatic shields, which are the big shields, right? I've just got engineered shields. Yeah. And I'm just like, if my shields ever drop, this thing has got. Like fifteen hundred hit points, like and my Python's got like four thousand, so it's <laughs> it's just such a difference. That's why I would say I use the Fertilance mostly for hit and runs and shit like that. And because it is fairly maneuverable, it is it's, it's a little with floaty, the Hotas again. It's real easy to just kind of orbit around something and kind of stay further ahead while still taking out like you know their shields or trying to take out their power unit or whatever. That way, it gives you that opening to take them out. Well, but yeah, that I got very confident. I took on two anacondas the other night that were elite level, um, just because I can completely stay out of their cone of fire for the most part. Um, you know, just aim for power or power plant, and then you know when they hit about like as long as you can just stay on top of them, essentially, like they die. Yeah. Um, but that's like my next thing, right? I'm I'm building rank so I can get a Corvette. But now Thargords came back out, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna outfit my Challenger and. Use the cold thing, you know, the cold drive thing. And then I, while I was waiting on ships the other night, I started outfitting my Asp Explorer um, <laughs> with guns because <laughs> I'd seen people use like rail guns and heat sinks to keep that thing just 100% cold and fight yep. Thargoids. And I was like, you know, if I die, it's not that big a deal. Like the rebuy on this is like a million. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like my crate, my rebuy on my crate is like 11 million. My rebuy on my Python's like 12 million. So it's like, I don't want to waste space bucks dying on those. I want to try on yeah. something little. But I digress. Like, combat in VR is, like, the best thing ever. It's just so easy to figure out. It's it's just orientation. That's all it really is. Like, And then you don't, you don't get a good sense of scale on your, 
you know, your monitor, your TV or whatever is how big your ships are. And then just being able to look behind you and see that you're on a fucking bridge in that python or the crate. Like, you're like, this This is actually pretty big. This is like, this cockpit's bigger than my living room. Um, <laughs> it's like a fucking bridge on the Enterprise or some shit. <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah. Um, and then I can't wait to, you know, drive my human on land. I've, I'm, I'm a crazy person. I can drive humans. I didn't used to be able to. I will suggest you get something called a C-band. Buy them at Walgreens. What they do is they have these little nubbies on them that hit a pressure point on the middle of your wrist mm-hmm. that helps with seasickness. That's what they're for. Oh, okay. Uh, um, they're a little bit hot. I don't know how hot-natured you are. I'm a hot-natured motherfucker. So, like, yeah. Um, I didn't like wearing them for real long periods of time, but when I was learning to drive humans, as I call it, um, it helped me a lot. And then just, you know, just, I guess I'm past the point where my brain is not tricked that I'm moving even though I'm standing, because that's usually what the problem is. Yeah. Uh, when you're sitting and you're moving, you're used to doing that in your car, so your brain's okay with it, which is why Elite doesn't bother me at all. Um, but. but yeah, uh, and that's the thing. It's like you're you're a pilot, but you're piloting a ship like you would a vehicle so it, it's easier to do that one-to-one in your brain yeah. as opposed to you're moving but you're really sitting or standing and i say now that i know you play on pc i can help you rags to riches something really quick if you wanted to make enough money to buy a good ship oh i've i don't even know what the hell i've got on pc right now. i've got something because i was starting to kit up for mining um shit, well, i think i have a type six actually a type six or a type seven? If you got we were a type fucking se- around with it, type well, seven the funny works. thing was, so with uh with our community at TVGP, Angel Eye over there, I was playing with him and his buddy, and Angel Eye had enough money to buy a type ten, and that was it. And so he basically moved all of his mining stuff over to that. The thing that he didn't account for so was much every single module costs. Well. Not so much that it was he was fine with all that he could <laughs> he could warp to the area that we were going to to mine. He didn't take into effect Layton's or uh oh shit what is that Layton? Yeah, your Layton weight. Oh yeah, and, and full, that thing your cargo like, capacity. And that's like got five hundred tons. Yeah, so he couldn't jump more than four light years when he was full. <laughs> Which couldn't get him outside of the system that he was in. <laughs> uh, and he was starting to run out of fuel. And he didn't have a fuel scoop. So. <laughs> That's awful. So, yeah. If you guys oh, are so ever playing on PC, hit the, me up. I'll, I'll fuel rat for you if you need to. Well, I was going to say, I think at that point I bought a Type 7. And I think I fuel ratted him with fuel limpets. The, and then he discharged some cargo and shit. And we got him out of there. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was like, come on, man. This is Elite 101 for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, when we were first um, playing, like, Jason forgot a fuel scoop on his. He was starting off from scratch again, right? And I think he had a, I don't know. I think he was using, like, a Type 6 or a Cobra or something like that to try to start mining um, and start making a little bit of his dough. And he forgot a fuel scoop and had to go on Reddit to Fuel Rats to get somebody out there. Apparently, Fuel Rats Reddit is really active. He oh, had yeah. somebody out there inside of 20 minutes to fuel him up. Yep. Um, which I thought those, was crazy. Those motherfuckers take their job serious. They're volunteer in a video game bullshit job seriously, and I love those guys. Look up, if anyone out there is ever bored, look up uh, Elite Dangerous Fuel Rat Rescues. 
and you will see some of the craziest, dumbest shit ever. And it's they're straight up AAA for Elite Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they are basically. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand the role play of that very much, but it is kind of an interesting niche, niche, and there's not anybody else that does it. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I, I feel like I'm, we're going to end up talking more about that. I, I, did you pick up Odyssey already? I did. Um, did any of you guys play Odyssey at all? Did you, well, I didn't did play you guys buy into the beta or anything? No, I didn't okay. buy into the alpha. I was going to wait till it came out. Um, I did, just because I wanted to check it out. Um, and <laughs> there were problems. Uh, <laughs> it's only on PC, right? Correct. Uh, it won't be coming out into console until later on this year, they're looking at. Um, but for PC, it's coming out on the 19th, and they had a four-week uh, alpha, beta, whatever you want to call it, whatever they called it. Um, I played all four weeks of it, and the only issues that I would... I mean, you would have your obvious thing where it's like you would talk to someone, you would set up the taxi, it would show you the map. It's like, okay, I want my taxi to go here, and then I couldn't get out of the map. So then I'd have to quit the game, go back into it, and then the taxi would re-up, and then I could go do my thing. Whatever. It's, you know, they're figuring it out. Before I That's forget, what, I'm here for. um, what kind of rig are you running it on? I think I've got like a 570, or okay. like a Radeon. Um, so I'm not pushing anything major here. Um, but it, it runs it runs Elite on high with no issues. Okay. So Did it run Odyssey on high? Reason. Yeah. Okay. That's encouraging because I was seeing some frame rate tests. Um, it was down to earth astronomy did a test on it a few weeks back uh, as a fairly popular elite channel and he was showing it was running he's running on ultra on a 2070 and it was about half the frame rate like still over 60 right but he was getting like 150 fps on regular horizons right and then he switched to that and he'd get about 75 fps um so well, he was, was saying it was a pretty significant difference and, you know, like he couldn't tell when you're playing, but because that's beyond what you can see anyway. Yeah. Um, a lot of what they were saying was that they were they were testing that out with the different PC setups and stuff like that for this as well. Um, that way they could keep tweaking it and um, yeah, they can keep tweaking it that way for actual release. Well, but would, you've got a regular um, like a regular gaming PC and it's not like fucking taking you out back. Right. No. I mean, I didn't have any frame rate issues or anything. I think I was sitting pretty at like 50 FPS when like shit was getting real hot and heavy. I was sitting at about 50 FPS and everything just looked fine. So super playable. Yeah. Which is amazing considering how gorgeous this game looks to begin with. But (laughs) is, was it a huge step up on the planetary stuff? Yes. Um, I noticed, especially because I play, like, my Xbox account is my main account for me. So comparing the two, yeah, there was a noticeable difference on PC, even though my PC's, like, maybe just barely more powerful than my Xbox One. So, <laughs> um, But with the being able to walk around and stuff, the biggest issue that I had was that you would have your missions that you would get. Um, a lot of them would just be, you know, oh, go bring this thing here or go get a thing and bring it back or, you know, whatever. And the guards are hella trigger happy during this entire thing. Um, the very first mission that I took, I was supposed to take a power cell to a plant 
to repower this area so that way everyone can come back and start to work or whatever. I land. I see somebody walking around with a flashlight. And this is like a threat level zero mission. I'm like, well, there's not supposed to be anybody here, but whatever. I'll just avoid them. Turns out that it was a guard for this area. It turns out that I ran away from him at the wrong moment and he shot me in the back and killed me. What what happens is, is that when a guard sees you and you're within a certain area of them, they tell you to stop so they can scan you basically for bounties, just like when you're in a ship. If you continue to walk away, they will consider that a hostile action and they will shoot you. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, everything I'm saying is being changed. They got tickets for all this and stuff because the guards were like stupid trigger happy. Like I'm talking, <laughs> I got scanned by one guard. Ran past them. They turned around, saw me, went to scan me again, and I just walked outside of like their area of scanning or whatever, and the whole base went hostile on me. Kind of bullshit. (laughs) They are aware that that was an issue. They are fixing it, so that should not be an issue when this opens up to the public (laughs) later on. Um, But yeah, so you have like your, you know, the same missions you would have for your ship. There wasn't anything new there. They had some new stuff like. For being able to get to that power plant, obviously the power's off, so the doors aren't going to work to let you in. So what you have to do is, depending on the suit you have, uh, I forget which suit it is, but one of them has like basically a uh, torch on it. So you cut open this access panel, you would power up this one section, it would open the door, and that would give you access to get into the building. Um, and then you would have like a suit for combat specifically, so you would have more shielding and more armor for your character, and you can carry um, two primary weapons as opposed to just having a primary and a sidearm. So there's like little bits of stuff like that in there. The, what's the transition like from ship to ground? Is it just like a screen wipe, or what are they doing? Yeah, what what they had been doing is basically you would go like to get into the taxi to go where you were going. They would basically have like this glowing square thing that you would run into and you would hit like E to enter the ship. Then you would be in the co-pilot seat and then you'd fly out to your destination. And once you got there, it would just, you know, you would just show up underneath the ship and then you can carry on and do whatever you want. Um, When they allowed us access to our own ships, it was basically the same exact thing where it was like you would run towards the glowy square on the ground um, at the back of your ship and then you would just be in the pilot seat. So I hope they figure out something to make that a little bit more immersive. Well, they what everyone wants them to do and what they're looking at is to eventually make it like star citizen where, you know, you go into your access port, you know, you walk into the ship, you can walk around your ship and then you can take your seat and fly off, which would be great because there are some of these, all of these ships that I would like to walk around inside of and just kind of look around and see, you know, what it looks like. Yeah, I was even so, thinking about that in VR. It's like, man, I've got enough play- spots on this bridge because I play a lot of survival games, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I've, I've been playing Subnautica too. And I was thinking, you know, they just gave me like a habitat builder. I could build like a little bunk bed and a little like living area behind the seat. And then we got to just camp out there. Uh, yeah. Put a little stove over there. I was like looking at it. It's like, this is like efficiency apartment size up here. <laughs> um, I've got enough room here to set up a little kitchen and like a laundry area and like my game area. It's like I could put like a game console. Like I was, it's like in my head, I was going through like, I could make this look like a little like habitat back here. And yeah, who knows be what's fun. behind that door that's behind there? Like what else is back there? <laughs> um, and 
even when you, cause like even so like the first ship that you get the sidewinder it is a pretty decent sized ship it is the smallest ship and it's the first ship that you start with and it's the one that if you die and you have no credits hey guess what you're getting a sidewinder so it's not great by any stretch of the imagination however it is a decent sized ship and a lot of people throughout the years have made like these videos of oh okay what would the interior of these ships look like and inside of a sidewinder even there's enough room for like a private cabin like it's about the size of a bunk and a toilet but you know you would have your tiny little it's a super face you know futuristic apartment to <laughs> Well, it's a little bit cramped up there, but like when you look behind you, there actually is a little bit of space behind it, which is kind of crazy. And then you look at some of the ships that aren't that don't seem like it's big, but like an Asp Explorer is mm -hmm. like as big as a seven a seven forty seven. Like it's huge. Yeah, and the cabin on that's really big, and of course, the big reason people like it is it's got a lot of windows. Um, but yeah, then you get a little bit bigger ships, right? Like my Type Seven had a huge cockpit. My Python and my Crate both have enormous cockpits. The Fertilance looks like some like futuristic version of those ships. It like has it's all white inside. There's like the co-pilot seat way off in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> like you look behind you and there's like three apartments worth of space up there. Like you could just set a whole crew up there. Like there's I don't know, like it's just it and VR helps you kind of envision what that space distance is, even more so than just using head look, because you literally can just peek around the headrest. Yeah, and then you get into, like, the crazier stuff, like with the uh, Anaconda. Like, when you're flying out in space, you can go into the camera mode, which detaches the camera from the pilot's first-person view to, like, an outside camera that you're controlling. And the freaking Anaconda has, like, the, these massive viewing ports on the side of it. And you can see hallways, and you can see, like, like bulk doors, bulkheads, stuff like that. It's like, man, I just want to wander around that thing and see what the fuck's in there. <laughs> yeah, I keep... I keep teetering on buying an anaconda right now my spacebook space i've got about 250 million space bucks so i keep thinking about buying one but it's like to a rate this i need almost a billion so like to a rate engineer yeah um, i need almost a billion and i don't want to mess with that right now but that's going to be something i get just to get it an anaconda out of the big three depending on what you're looking at actually doing the anaconda is kind of like your cobra mach 3 where it's a good all around like it's real good with dps it's real good with cargo if that's what you want to go for trading i mean and it's real good for you know exploration so you can kit that thing out to either be combat trading or um exploration you'd be good to go with that thing the only thing that i always remind everybody is just remember when you go to do atmospheric landings it's a big fucking ship, and it does not handle, like, anything else you've flown before, and it does drop, like, a fucking rock as soon as you hit Atmo, so you have to be <laughs> mindful of that. <laughs> yeah, I ran it. That was me because I pulled off at, for a while there. I didn't have an uh, auto-docker on my Python, and that was one big thing I noticed when I started doing atmospheric docking. Um, I was like, this thing's just, like, dropping like an asteroid out of the sky. Like, and then I realized when you turn off flight assist, it just starts to drop. <laughs> yep. It's horrifying. <laughs> and it's like, and, I know, like, my first landing, I just bounced off the surface, and thankfully I had engineered shields, but it dropped my shields and did, like, 20% damage to my hull. Yeah. Because um, I just dropped out of the sky and just bounced. That, for some reason, for me, every time I have a mission or something that's on a planet, 
it's always on the dark side of the fucking planet. It's never on the day side. And originally, you only had basically your headlights for the ship to guide you. And then eventually, you would start to see like the outpost lights and stuff like that. But those were just kind of to help to guide you that, hey, there's a building over here. Not so much a, hey, this is the landing platform. And, you know, this is how high up off the ground you are. Now they have night vision, which is really cool. Basically, your whole screen just turns that green and it's really awesome and it lets you see everything. It's a huge improvement over Old Elite. That was one of the things that I noticed immediately because we were doing engineering runs, me and Rusty were, and chatting while we were doing it. We were doing the engineering grind. Um, But I don't know. I'm super excited for Odyssey. Um, I'm really looking forward to it and driving my human, and I'm really looking forward to how hard I can push my PC to get that as crystal clear as I can in my HMD. I will say, too, they did... um, The last thing that they did was the uh, combat. It was like an all-combat scenario where they wanted to test out like the PvP, Um, and it was basically just like a domination thing that you were doing, where it's like, hey, there's these points, you need to help take them over and whatever. The combat felt really good. That's Um, good. the weapons, you know, maybe some of them needed to be balanced a little bit more. They didn't. Some of them didn't feel like they were real impactful. Um, but you still have to play with the whole, you know, you have shields. So if you're using a kinetic weapon, obviously that's not going to do a whole lot of damage to shields. So you're wanting wanting to use like an energy weapon to, you know, get the shield down, then so, switch over to kinetic. Gotcha. So it's it's still the same aspect that you're used to playing, you know, for ship combat. So they didn't really change anything there, but sometimes it felt like some of the weapons weren't hitting as hard as maybe they should have. But other than that though, it felt really good and I really enjoyed playing it. They, they did great. And I hearken back to this on TVGP. They just did this. It's been what, two years that they've been working on this. And this is the first time we as players have been able to check it out. And it's, a lot better than their other space game that's been in alpha for the last 15 years. Which game? It? Star Citizen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Star Citizen. Yeah, I, we've been actually... Tilcast has been around since 2010, I think, or 11. I think it's 2011. So when we started, yeah. and we have an episode... Before we hit 100 episodes, we started talking about Star Citizen. Uh, because it was uh, Chris What's-His-Face from Wing Commander. Yep. And I uh, was super excited about it. And then it's just been like the biggest money sink on any game development platform I've ever seen. And it just doesn't feel like it's anywhere. Yeah. And for those of you listening who don't really know me, I'm just talking bullshit. If you enjoy Star Citizen, that's fine. I don't care. I've had the one of our community members bought it for me and I was able to play with them. I can't now because of whatever update they did a couple of months ago, completely fucked up the op- optimization on my computer, so I can't even run it anymore. So, fuck that game. But if you, the listener, enjoy the game, hey, have at it. That's fine. I just... <laughs> you represent a different show. As far as I'm concerned, I feel like... It feels like a pyramid scheme. And It I, does. And I really, I would really like to see him finish it. I'd really like to see what it looks like, but we're talking like... Man, it's been like 2011 or 2012 when they started making this thing. Yeah. And it's just gone on and on and on and on. And you start My, to wonder, like, they made so much money that they had to continue to over-promise and then under-deliver over and over again. Yeah. 
My biggest thing was when they were super excited about what are they the butcher curtains or whatever. I don't know. You know what, what those? If you ever, um, if anyone's ever worked in cold storage with me, they've got like those plastic little curtains. Oh yeah, okay, I don't check um, And they were all fucking geeked out about how you know when your character walks into it, the fabric technology that we use for this, it looks realistic and all that. I was like, dude, I don't give a fuck about that. Release your goddamn game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to they need to start finalizing the gameplay of that because the Squadron Forty Two, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, the some, single player. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, they need to get that shit under wraps and actually doing something. The footage I've seen from it looks amazing. Um, all the physics that are involved look amazing, but Elite continues to over deliver um, on what it does. I feel like Elite is the best flight sim I've ever played for space. Um, and there's just a lot of different things to do, but Elite just takes a little bit of imagination on what you want to get started on, but it's just, it's just so satisfying because it's sim done right. That's, that's my, yeah. I, I really love Elite. It's just the right amount of complicated that I enjoy where I can have five to six different Excel sheets open and just love every fucking minute of it. So. Well, it's, it's, it's an immersion thing. And I, I don't mean that in an Eve kind of way where you've got, you know, spreadsheet people out there like calculating values of everything i know there's probably some crazy traders that do stuff like that but there's all these like side tools and side websites they help with other activities like the mining thing right like it's miners guide or miners companion that i use and just basically tells you this is a system you get stuff from this is a system you sell stuff from and it updates more than a few times daily so like super reliable and anyways a little bit long on the tooth on that. I wanted to talk about something I never got a chance to play that I just finally got to play. So I family share with a one of my best friends of all time, TJ. And we, you know, steal each other's games all the time. Um, and Steam does allow this. Just going to say that. Steam <laughs> does allow this. We only have five people on our accounts. And it only lets you play them when they're not there. But it's a really good way for me to experience some of the stuff in VR I never got to try. And he has Half-Life Alex. Um, that's the coolest VR game I've ever played. I'm not, I hear it's really awesome for VR. I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm really not. Um, the immersion factor is 100% there. It works really good in VR and it looks really good. It's just super well optimized. Um, I, I know I've got a hospital system and like, I'm not going to big dick it all over the place. I got incredibly fortunate to get the card I did. Um, and this is what I do. So that's what I got, right? Um, but that aside, you know, I don't have enough money for an index, so I've been playing it on the Quest 2, and it looks really good. It looks really, really good. Um, I thought I I have some issues, like I've played Arizona Sunshine, and I have some issues with zombies. I'm really familiar with headcrabs for some reason. And um, it is really graceful in the way that it slowly introduces you to terror. Um, I'm in a spot where I've decided to pause for just a moment, and I'll tell you why. Um, so I'm pretty good with the barnacles. If you remember Half-Life, the barnacles are the things that hang from the ceiling and then, yep. you know, grab you. Yeah. Um, that didn't freak me out too much. It kind of telegraphs that that's going to be a thing happening. So I was like, all right. And then your first head crab encounter, he's in a spot that he can't get to you, but it was just interesting to see the scope and size of that thing, like in VR space compared to me. Um, I'm not a very tall guy, so I'm about five, eight, right? So, and then I'm playing Alex. And so everything's a little bit shorter for me, which is kind of funny. Um, so 
Like, I, I haven't figured out how to set height in that game, but I'm kind of short in that game. Like, it feels a little too close to real life to how short I am. <laughs> um, so that's kind of an interesting thing because so, so guys, the, the I'm zombies. Saying, did you have to move the step stool to get something off the high shelf? No, I had to jump. Um, <laughs> I had to jump to grab something. But um, it is room scale. Um, but you can move free move, right? So this is me been driving a human. It's got the teleport movement or it's got something called like burst movement or something like that or continuous movement. Yeah. Where it looks like you're rushing really fast towards a point. Um, I just walk around in it and have been doing fine with that. Um, the guns feel really good. So it starts you off. It looks like a 1911, uh, 45 is what it looks like at first. And then you add pieces to that for your upgrades. So now I've got like a laser sight and burst fire on my, my pistol. And then I found a single, well, it's not a single, it's a shotgun that's, uh, has a breach that opens up. It's a really futuristic pistol grip looking shotgun. Um, but if you put your hands, if you stack the controllers, it does the double grip. Oh, nice. On VR, which is really cool looking. Um, and of course, you know, and I like to shoot stuff like real life and in VR, right? And I've got shaky hands. So like a pistol for me, one handed is a little bit shaky. So I always have to double grip stuff. Mm. Um, obvious improvement for me in aiming, but also like it looks like I'm doing the double grip too in the game. And it feels kind of like that. You just stack the controllers kind of a little bit. I'm trying to explain this. So like, like this is kind of okay. like what I'm doing, right? So I rest my, the heel Your of my hand. Cupping. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a good way of saying it. But you rest your the the palm of your hand in a pistol grip on top of a closed fist on the other, and then it does like a two handed grip on a weapon. Um, you've got these things called grab gloves. If you've played Half Life, Alex, good on you. But there's still a lot of people who haven't played it. But I've watched people play it before. So what grab gloves are is you point at something right, and then you click the trigger to kind of like get a grip on it, and you flip your wrist backwards or up. And that flips it towards you, and then you got to release the trigger and then catch it with your hand. So without an index controller, what you're doing is you're holding the controller with your thumb and then closing your both triggers at the same time again. So it, it took a second to get used to, but I got used to it pretty quick. Um, and it's how you grab a lot of things, manipulate things in the environment. So like you can get a propane tank that you can throw out to go explode, right? And you flip your wrist, and then you catch it one-handed, and then you toss it again um, over wherever wherever you want to shoot. And then, you know, you can blow up your, your red explody thing. Um, head crabs are still kind of terrifying, but not as bad as I thought I would. Um, the sight on the pistol, when you upgrade the sight, like, makes them glow orange on the spot you need to shoot. Um, and I haven't had anything that rushes me aside from the faster head crabs. Um but I just got to a spot where I have to go in total darkness and use a flashlight. And there's a dead dude in the middle of this all black room with the flashlight just shining down. And I've got to jump off a ledge that's going to give me a point of no return to go get that flashlight. And I'm too chicken shit to do it. So that's what I'm going to build up the courage for and then go do that to get to the next spot in the game. Um, but I'm been, I've been, you know, not terribly terrified so far like it slowly introduces elements of the game so you kind of get used to it so it's not just jump scares there hasn't really been any jump scares so far and i actually appreciate that um because yeah. half-life wasn't really about jump scares it's about solving puzzles and building a world and 
Like it does these crazy things where I don't know if they call them stalkers. I'm trying to remember what they're called. The big long spindly leg things that got dudes combine driving them. So like stalker if, sounds familiar, but it's been forever since I've played Half Life Two. Yeah, and so like it these big spindly leg walker things, right? That are in City Seventeen. Um, like put their feet up on ledges and stuff, and like when you're first starting out, you're in the city. And it's like putting its feet on like the ledge you're by, and then you get a sense of scale of that huge ass thing as it's moving around, and it's just really freaking cool. Um, there's like a little bug that you can feed um, in the starting area that you get started off with, and I was just like dicking around. I was like, I'm just gonna keep feeding this bug. I'm just gonna keep feeding this bug. I don't know why. <laughs> um, and then all of the like health pickups, right? So you your inventory system's weird. So the way it works is you've got quick slots on your wrist. So you, like, I've got these shots that give you health back. Mm -hmm. And you put it in your wrist, if that makes any sense. There's a little, like, spot or pocket there that opens up and, like, sucks it in for, like, random small items. Your gun, um, the inventory system is you point your hand out, you move your hand up to go to one item, you move it down to get to the multi-tool, move it to the left or the right to get to some of your other stuff, right? So you can just like hit the inventory button and move your hand to pop in whatever else you need right away. Um, the pause menu is a pause menu. There's no pause inventory screen like there would be. Your health is on your wrist. You have a series of hearts, kind of like Portal, that you can see that's on your wrist. And that's how you tell what you... It's on your grab glove, actually. And that, that's how you tell where your health is at for your character. That's cool. So super, super, super immersive, though. Like, it just... It looks super polished. It plays really polished. The characters have been really interesting so far. There's a good point where I had to like raise my hands. So like I raised my hands, right? Because I was like in trouble. Um, and the guard, like if I put my hands down, he like got kind of pissy with me until I put my hands back up, which was kind of neat. Um, it does this thing when you climb that you have to hand over hand click the triggers to climb up with your character. Um, it's a really interesting experience. But uh, I will play more of that as my stomach... It's it's a fairly long game, too. Like, average length is between 11 and 13 hours um, for a single-player VR adventure. That's actually quite a bit. So that's nice, yeah. Um, it's a proof-of-concept game, but it, they do really, really well. It's nothing incredibly revolutionary, but it's familiar, and it's just like quadruple-A VR experience. It's, it, is, it is like if you need to be sold on VR, like play Half-Life VR, it's for an action game. It's just amazing. Um, did you get a chance to play uh, Mass Effect Remaster yet? I have not. Um, eventually, I will pick it up. It's just right now, I can't really swing the eighty hours to try to go through the series again. It might actually take longer than that. I don't know. It depends on how you play it. Well, I was going to say 80 hours was like lowballing it. I think I, think I, I was getting about 30 hours. Games, I've got like 100 and something altogether. Yeah, I think I can get about 30 to 40 hours per game. Um, I, I picked it up. I wasn't going to pick it up initially. I was going to wait for it to go on sale. And then I just got a bug. Um, I'm playing a little bit of uh, Subnautica Frozen. Um, whatever, Frozen. Subnautica 2, basically. Yeah. But... I was like, well, Jason's going to be playing it. I, I could get back into some Mass Effect. I haven't played it in years. You know, I played Andromeda, right? And it was all right. Not as bad as everybody thought, but it just wasn't at the same bar. And yeah. then 
um, this week on Thursday, the day before it dropped, I was like, fuck it. I'm doing it. I looked at my bank account. I was like, yep, definitely got the funds. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to do it. So I pulled the trigger on it, downloaded it while I was at lunch, um, and then popped it in last night. So today being Saturday, I played a little bit last night, and then I restarted again today. Um, the remaster, let me explain what they did. I know they got all the videos. Um, don't pay attention to Steam reviews right now, and I'm not trying to be like, I'm just going to love Mass Effect. Mass Effect is genuinely a fantastic game. But um, some of the reviews are really yeah controversy controversy with the Steam reviews because people are just being internet. People are being internet. I saw something (laughs) that said there's no graphics options. Uh, There is. It's just not in the launcher. It's per game. Um, It defaults to whatever it detects. It kept defaulting with everything on at 4K on my machine, so that's fine. But you have to go to extras, which doesn't make sense. You go to extras and then options for graphic options are in there. Um, let me explain what I think they did. I think they took all the low poly models and put 4K textures on them. Because the polygon, so like the shape, right? The shape looks the same as something on a older release of a character. Yeah. And, but the textures are really fucking high res. Yeah. And the lighting is way better. And it's got HDR support. So like the original Mass Effect ran at 720 p maybe on your xbox yeah on your 360 on your 360 <laughs> um this is running at 4k uncapped frame rate so right now i counted 350 fps so <laughs> I, I locked it to not unnecessarily work my machine um but it uh it runs really 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 buddy smooth but like things i was noticing so hair looks weird still it still looks like a hair hat um Facial expressions were some like some yeah. people's faces. They just look dead. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. So the <laughs> eyebrows don't animate a lot. So it's just their mouth that animates, and they squint a little bit. Um, so that's a little bit off-putting. But it is a really old game that they made yeah. really high res. Um, I stock Shepard um, looks goofy to me. It looks like a weird anorexic fuckboy so i just don't like using stock shepherd <laughs> so i made a character that initially looked like really kind of fucked up and then i didn't realize how fucked up his expressions would be so i like went back and started over rebuilt my character and they ended up with basically james manor keenan as my character i don't know how that happened but i basically got keenan with the little 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 uh, mohawk is who i ended <laughs> up with it's like they still don't have beard options like i'm gonna look for a mod that gives you better beards um, at some point, it's because my shepherd needs a better beard. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I got a more normal-looking dude that doesn't look like a fuckboy um, for my shepherd. I, I've heard about using the fem, fem shep, right? I think at some point I will. I, it's, I don't have anything against female characters. I'll just preface that. But I also tend to make characters that I'm a little bit more relatable with, and so I tend to play male all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to go a little bit renegade with this run, but I'm finding myself going back to Paragon. Um, it is kind of hard to go renegade when you're not in the mood for it. Yeah, like I, I tend to play characters kind of similar to me um, in real life. Well, I'm kind of a Boy Scout. A foul mouth Boy Scout is kind of what I am. I have uh, no problems with renegade. 
I can't tell you how I giggled with glee when one of the options was make them stop talking and I clicked it and it was just my shepherd walking up to them and punching them in the face. I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> well, when it comes to the reporter, when you have the option to punch the reporter, I will do that. Because <laughs> um, that felt really satisfying last time I did it. But like for the most part, right, like there's a – I realized I completely forgot the story more or less because I haven't played that game in 10 plus years, uh, yeah. Mass Effect 1. Um, so I'm kind of rediscovering the story all over again, right? And there's like an option of my first Paragon points were saying we're going to bury this guy because he was a Marine or something like that, right? And I realized, okay, well, it's going to be a Paragon run. That's just how I am. And then I'll spice it up here and there, but it's going to be mostly Paragon run. Um, I forgot that Ashley's kind of, uh, a space racist. Um, yep. She basically says that all the freaking aliens, she's like, I can't tell the difference between them and animals. It's like, well, I guess we're not going to be using Space Ashley because she's a bigot. So, But she she does, and that's one thing that I do like about the series, is that if you do keep her, she does eventually grow out of that and realizes, oh, yeah, I am being a space racist, and that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just coin that term space racist. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it, like I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot like how off that was even off putting to me back then. I was like, why is she being yeah. such a crazy bitch about this? Um, but you know, um, that is an interesting thing. Like all the characters seem to grow and change as you change with them. And um, yeah, the, the, the game like overall um, looks really, really good for what they're doing. And I say that with what they're doing. Just if you take a skin of something, right, make it super high res over a lower poly model, you're still going to see the lower poly model below it, right? I think they did a pretty good job with faces. That's there. But then, like I said, yeah. the helmet hair thing is there, So, which is why I got the space mohawk. So I got rid of the weird painted on texture hair. Um, and then most of the characters don't have the weird hat hair thing going on. So that's doesn't it's not real immersion breaking. And but, if it bothers you that much, I'm pretty sure there is the option to just always keep your combat helmet on at all times, isn't there? There is. Or is that later on? I can't remember when that started, but... No, they got that option. There's an option okay. for legendary leveling. So what they do is they, instead of being 60 levels in the first game, it's 30 levels um, with the same options. It just levels at the same rate, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, some other things. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but... It, um, the way that it works with your weapons in one, at least on the legendary edition, is they just overheat and then you got to wait for them to cool down. So basically just keep two weapons on you and flip back and forth, uh, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, I um, think originally you had the thermal core that you had to eject. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So they got rid of that and they just overheat and then they start to cool down, but it has to go all the way cold before you can use it again. So like I've got a planet. A infiltrator, which is like an engineer that uses sniper rifles. Um, I wanted to go something a little bit different because I used to use Vanguard all the time and just like warp in and shotgun shit. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to play something a little bit different. I'm using the sniper rifle. And the sniper rifles feel really good. They got a lot of weight. Um, and But it, it only has like four shots before it overheats. And then I got to flip over to my, you know, my space pistol. Um, I'm playing it on hardcore. I don't know why. I just wanted a little bit more challenge. It's not been terribly hard, but I am planning on the tutorial mission. Basically, I just got past the tutorial mission, and, you know, you 
almost die, and then the story starts from there. So now I just got to the <laughs> Citadel, but yeah, you're off of Eden Prime, and now you have 40 hours of story before you leave the Citadel. <laughs> yeah. So I just right before we started the show, I was dicking around in the Citadel and talking to the what's the guys that talk slow? The Elcor. Yep. I was talking to the Elcor, and I was like, "Oh yeah, these were my favorite. This is my favorite race in the game was the Elcor." Because they preface everything by telling you what the inflection is going to be before they speak. Yeah, because they're all monotone. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just really like the Elcor. Um, being a little was bit. Then of, in, was it the, the Hanar that were the floating jellyfish? Yeah, it is the Hanar. I remember yeah. that. Uh, the fl- it, floating... It's slowly coming back. <laughs> yeah. But I was realizing when I was playing this game, I was like, I'm already interested in the story and I haven't played it in a really long time. I was like, Bioware did a really good job of writing this and roping me in. Um, cause I just, it was like an old, you know, it's just like an old favorite. I realized how much I liked this game originally and yeah. just coming back to it. Like it just, it's like a, it's an old pair of shoes that you really like that got a new facelift and you're just like, Oh, and it's, it's, it's far enough back. Like a remaster actually feels okay in 2021. I, you know, I'm not going to look it up right now, but I want to say it was prior to 2010 when the Mass Effect one came out, if I'm right. I think it was like 2008 or something like that. It might. It's, it's been more than 10 years since I've played it. Yeah. And I played through it, I want to say twice. Um, it was, I was playing that when I was shortly after I was playing Witcher 1. Um, John from uh, Picking Up the Pixels, or formerly Carousel, um, actually got me into it. He's like, oh, you need to try out Mass Effect. Like, okay, that game looks really fucking generic. Why would I want to play Mass Effect? He's like, no, trust me, the story's really good. Like, you'll you'll get into it. And then I played it, and it's like, oh, yeah, the story is really good. Yeah. These mechanics are really fucking janky, but I'll get past it. I was really close. November 16th, 2007. 2007? Fuck. Yeah. So we're at uh, almost 14 years. Yeah. 13 and a half years for this. It's a huge difference, I think. You know, HDR support, but also just the 4K textures. Or this is that's multiplicative. Like that's not even that's more than four times the size, right? Yeah. Like 4K is quadruple 1080p. 1080p is quadruple 720. Like that's eight times the size, essentially. I guess, right? If my math, math isn't wrong, give or take, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of. I'm seven, not going to check you. I've been drinking. It's fine. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> 720p's in that that 4K resolution. Um. But it's a it's a pretty dramatic difference. Just know the char- the polygon counts are a little bit lower than what you're used to, and you'll be fine. Um, but I'm gonna keep playing that. I'll keep reporting on it as we go, because uh, it'll probably take me for several weeks, you know, to get through the whole trilogy. Um, but yeah, my James Maynard Shepard. His his name's Dick Shepard. Um, <laughs> so Dick Shep is a uh, who I'm going with right now, even though he's a, a Boy Scout. Um, before I jump into this last game, was there anything else that you had played, or has it just been Elite? It's just been Elite, because, like I said, I, once I got to the center of our galaxy, I stopped for the longest time, <clears throat> and it was literally Friday that I decided, okay, it's only 270 jumps to Colonia from here, and I did 100 jumps Friday. Oh, yeah, no, I did 100 jumps Thursday, 100 jumps yesterday, and 70 jumps today and got to Colonia. So. Man, that's a lot of jumps. It was a lot of space madness. <laughs> well, um, now I've got to look up 
what is the official name of is it below subnautica below zero below zero yeah i say i thought it was below zero but yeah you're right so i picked that up the other day i've been genuinely interested but i ruined myself on subnautica playing the early access forever because what they did the last game is you had all the systems in place with none of the story and the story drove that game um a little bit more story right off the bat with this one um like i've already encountered some things people in, in this story um there's actually some real live audio between you and somebody else that's happening that's kind of driving the narrative um still kind of the same loop right like use your scanner to find new parts to get bigger and better things i'm working on my space truck right now um there is a huge visual improvement between this and the first subnautica um, nice. I'm. It's not HDR support, but just the blacks are blacker. The bright, the colors are a little bit brighter. Um, there are more weather effects. I don't remember if there are any weather effects with the last game. Not that I've seen so far. Yeah, I but think... I've spent <laughs> surprisingly a game about being underwater. I've spent most of my time underwater. So I have, besides a day night cycle, I haven't noticed it like raining or anything like that. Yeah, so I don't think there's any rain, but there's rain and snow and thunderstorms and some kind of like meteor storm thing that goes on. That's Um, cool. And the sky like changes colors when it's doing that, right? And you see the lightning storm from underwater looks really cool. Um, And you break the, you see the, um, the droplets, so the air being pushed down, so the bubbles from all the rain when it's raining underwater. Oh, nice. Um, it does something I noticed off the bat, and this may be a thing in the first one, I don't remember. But you know, like, there's an early equipment item you get is the air bladder to get you up to air, up to the surface really fast, yeah, right? It's like an emergency release kind of thing. But it's, I think it's, is it a one-use item? I believe so, yeah. So this refills when you get above water, into air. Mm-hmm. So it refills, so you can use it over and over and over again, and it's actually still the fastest way to get to surface when you don't have a good enough oxygen tank, which is where I'm at right now. Got the, you know, whatever the, not the sea moth, but the little, the little portable. scuba missile thing? Yeah, the little, like, torpedo like torpedo thing that you drive around. Yeah. I've got one of those right now, um, but I'm still, you know, I can only go to 100 meters down before i gotta go back up because it reduces my oxygen efficiency but there are creatures down there that are dangerous and then that thing shoots you way up but there's another hint to this right there's like coral that spans all over the place so it's kind of like there's trees underwater right Mm -hmm. um that you can get caught up on when you're trying to go up to the surface and there's ice um big chunks of ice that cover big chunks of the surface you kind of have to be strategic when you're going up to make sure that wherever you go, you can kind of see a spot where you can get up uh, and not get stuck under ice when you're trying to refill your air. Great. You get to live one of those phobias of falling through the ice and not being able to get back to the surface. (laughs) Yeah. There's temperature you have to deal with when you're on the ice. So there's a lot of landmass. There's actually landmass really close uh, to where your starter base is. And I just got my habitat builder and just started building a little spot. Um, so I could get a good spot for my space truck or, you know, my sea truck or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but there's been a lot more story early on with this game, which I wasn't expecting. 
Um, even like some cutscene kind of stuff. I know there were some cutscenes in the last one. Um, but just a little bit of everything has been upgraded, right? The models are higher poly count than the other ones, so they're a little bit smoother animation, a little bit more realistic looking. The the art style almost feels like Bioshock Infinite in the way that okay. people look, right? I think they did in the last game, like a little bit cartoony looking. Yeah. I haven't seen anybody else, but I did see they had like that video that they released for this one. And yeah, they did look like cartoonish features, like, you know, slightly more bulbous nose and like bigger, all that fun bigger stuff. Bigger ears, the hands are a little bit flappy, like flippers. Yeah. Um, they're a little bit cartoonish, but like the, like I said, the poly count's higher than the last game. That was a very noticeable thing. And just the amount of animations that's going on. Like I said, the, the biggest like jaw drop moment was like it started raining. I started seeing bubbles form on the surface, and so I like went up to the surface and they went just below. And I noticed, oh, these are like leaving little trails of bubbles every time a drop of water hits. I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of like calculations going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have enough to report to say is it a good or bad game. It seems to be universally well liked. Um, it seems like more Subnautica, there's some other mechanics that weren't in the other game, and there's some other materials that weren't in the other game, like making batteries is different than it was in the last game. It's actually a little bit easier, but there's not a lot of uh, space trash for you to collect because there's no blown up spaceship in your forward view that you're messing with. Like, uh, you chose to go down to this planet, so to speak. So it wasn't a, you're not a survivor of that wreck. Um... But totally it's a different set of circumstances as to why you're there and really badass intro getting started. Um, just as much of a badass intro as the last one, except a little bit better. Um, everything feels like it's turned up to 11. I don't know if it's going to end up being a better or worse game, but graphics, the amount of story they're giving you, a little bit more direction on what to do. Um, some things that you're really necessary on a day in and day out are a little bit easier to build, like batteries, because you use them for fucking everything, um, yeah. are not really hard to build. Um, you know, so the materials you need are not common, but not so uncommon that it's going to take you a lot of time. Like there's a new thing that's called a mineral scanner that will scan the material you need for batteries. It'll scan all of, you know, copper or titanium or whatever, or the different types of like limestone deposit things you got to break off to get the minerals inside, um, mm-hmm. even coral or fragments. So it's got a fragment scanner on this thing. You can use that to find things to scan. So you're not like, oh, I accidentally missed this thing in this, you know, this spot uh, to scan so that I can uh, learn this new technology. So, overall, super cool. Um, Is it a full price game or? uh, 40, I think. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, even if it was full price, it probably still wouldn't be that bad. But I just didn't know if this was like a standalone thing or if this was an expansion. No, it's a it's a very standalone thing. Like knowing the story from before helps you understand the setup to the what's going on when you get started. Um, I think you could play this without ever touching Subnautica, the original. Though you're doing yourself a disservice if you want to play a game like this and don't play Subnautica because that's a fantastic game. Yeah. Um, but I think we should probably take a break because we've been uh almost two hours this first segment. So. Yeah. We will be back, guys.
And we're back. Had a little bullshit break there. Um, been fucking around talking about uh, <laughs> vapor mods. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're definitely not dude bros, so it's kind of funny, uh, if, if anything, right? I mean, I'm just I'm not going to promote any of this stuff, right? Especially um, if you're not addicted to any kind of nicotine, don't start. But if you were like me and Nymph and you smoked packs and packs of cigarettes a day and you swept the vaping, um, good on you, because that's uh, how I stopped smoking. I know yeah. it's not 100% healthy, but it is definitely healthier than dumping tar in my lungs. And I'm not hacking all the time. So if you hear the pull on the show, that's what's going on. It's just, um, you know, that's how we quit smoking. If you listen to early episodes, um, you have sometimes eight people smoking around a table. It's like Walter Cronkite or something like <laughs> um, just I couldn't believe we were talking about that. I had this little bitty apartment when we first started the show and me and Trent were going through a pack and a half of camel wides a day. And then Rusty was smoking menthols. Jason was smoking like camel regulars. And uh, see, Holly smoked. I think she was smoking cools. I can't remember. And anyway, I probably shouldn't be name dropping cigarettes in the show. But um all that being said, like, that was back in 2011, 2012, like, we were all smoking like crazy, and we all, you know, just what we did, and then we started to make that shift over to vaping, and then all of a sudden, everybody was vaping, and then we realized how much the house tank like cigarettes. It was disgusting. Um, but, that aside, uh, we want to talk a little bit about news. Um, talking about being a little bit blessed with how, what I got to build in my PC, right, and not pay exorbitant prices. Um, I've got a 3080 in my PC, and I guess I got it when the time was right, back in November. Um, those continue to shoot up in price, I think, right now. if you're, I was looking earlier this week. is about $1,400 on Newegg. Um, they're getting stupid, and it's not going to get any better. Um, PC Gamer puts out a lot of good pieces. In fact, a lot of stuff we source is usually PC Gamer is one of our go-tos. But they had a story on this that... So... IBM had a deal with Intel and TSMC. TSMC is a chip manufacturer out of China. And they are saying they're planning on shortages until 2022 through 2023. Um, and chip shortages affect a lot more than PC gaming. They affect your car manufacturers. Um, they affect your cell phones. They affect your um, tablets, right? Um a lot of electronic devices have silicone in them, and it's really the silicone demand um, that's kind of causing a lot of the shortage. And I think a lot of that's due to COVID, right? Like the manufacturing supply chain went down, and a lot of this stuff is a long tail on it, right? Like they start making stuff today for stuff like, you know, months and months and sometimes years from now. Yeah. And so when you interrupt that supply chain, it just, you know, snowballs all the way down because silicone's used in so many things, and there's only about three big manufacturers of silicone for chips. Uh, mostly out of China, if I'm right. Um, so we're in a weird spot, and we're just not going to see a lot of this. And I'm sorry, PC gaming is going to be one of those things where I hope people optimize their games for last-gen rigs or two gens past that, right? Because really everything should be set for a 1060 to run at a setting that you're comfortable with on the dev team before putting all the extra settings in. I think another maybe issue that even cyberpunk had right like 
going too hard on the new features without realizing that those features may not be available. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, who could have fucking planned for this? Oh, nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody. And it's it's sad, but, like, it just is a thing, right? Um, again, there's a, if you really want to get them in on your show, I'm not going to do that on this show, but long story short, supply chain was interrupted. It's going to be a long time before things normalize with supply and demand. So... Look out for secondhand cards that aren't being scalped. That's uh, that's my advice to you. And if you got a rig, I know that we did a show a few shows back talking about actually with Nimp. Uh, last show that Nimp's on, we talked about how to optimize a lot of your existing uh, rig to do better with what you got and what upgrades to get. Unfortunately, hard drives are about to hit a shortage too because of the new mining that's happening with hard drives. But as I've looked through different stories, it's uh crashing regular consumer grade drives pretty quickly so that may not get up off the ground hopefully uh, not because we don't need one more thing to have to worry about right now right and you need to get yourself an nvme because that's the biggest upgrade i think you can get outside of a graphics card right now um for a lot of things it's such a high quality of life for so many different items um, you'll never experience a load time again, essentially. It, it loads as fast as the game is capable of loading, essentially. As I say, if you can't make it look super pretty, at least make it load super fast. <laughs> well, it reduces things like even texture pop-in because the textures are loading so much faster off that, you know. Um, and then having decent RAM. There's a lot of decent RAM out there. You don't have to get the very, very latest. If you can get something that's got an XMP profile on it um, that'll work with your board, like, that's a pretty big jump. Like, going from, like, a lot of people still running what's the 16 is it 1666 I believe so and a lot of the XMP profiles go through like what 3200 uh 3600 somewhere in that range yeah um which is basically like a a way for you to overclock ram in a factory way uh, without having to mess with voltage settings and all that other bullshit yep 1666 megahertz okay i have a weird memory for numbers um, but yeah, like I have enough stored in there where someone says it and I'm like, you know what? That does sound pretty right, but let me double check that. <laughs> well, I mean, you work on computers all day. I don't in that capacity. So, um, yeah, I just remember so much shit to remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just the XMP stuff, right? Like effectively it's a doubling multiplier on, on your Ram and it's in the old days. You would like mess with your voltage settings and play with it until you got a stable overclock on your RAM to get it faster, right? And it honestly doesn't make a huge difference, but there is a pretty big difference between 1666 and a 3600 speed RAM. Um, I think anyway. Um, but that RAM, so like eight gigs of the new RAM, unless we're now into RAM shortage season is like under 80 bucks, I think. I want to say, uh, if you go on Newegg, right? And, Maybe go with like Corsair or something like that. You can probably get it fairly inexpensive. Um, which is what I've got. I've got Corsair RAM. Anyways, I digress. Um, getting off topic. But there's a lot of things like RAM and NVMEs that you can do that make a big difference in your PC. And uh, there are things you can do. Cooling solutions make a big deal. I got a air cooler. Uh, Noctua is a pretty decent brand for air coolers. It doesn't run very loud and way outperforms every fucking thing else. 
with a little bit of a premium price tag. So I spent $50 on an Octo air cooler on my um, Ryzen 5. I've got a Ryzen 5, I think, um, in my PC. Um, and that has kept my temps down in the 40s and then under load under up to about 60. And honestly, outperforms anything except for a very high dollar air, uh, water cooling solution. So um, Noctua has got, honestly, the best. Like Arctic Cool is another one that I would use if you're going to go with fans uh, for a PC build. And I, I don't know. Do you have a favored air cooler brand or water cooler brand? You know? I would say if you're interested in testing out water cooling, Corsair has what I've got on my PC right now. Runs fairly quiet, and I think it was only like sixty bucks for the single fan unit. The double fan unit, I believe, is eighty. So, you know, if it's something you want to dick around with and not drop shit tons of money on, check it out. It works. Well, you get thermal throttling on games too with your CPU. So, with your CPU, what'll happen is you'll end up getting to a spot where it's really taxing your CPU, and it gets it up to a certain temperature. So, let's say it gets to like eighty degrees Celsius, right? And your chip says, oh, I'm running a little bit hot, so I'm going to kind of throttle back a little bit. It's not like it necessarily like drops FPS, but you might start seeing texture pop in or whatever is handled by the CPU. Maybe it's counts of particles or whatever, right? But there's a dip in performance overall because your CPU is protecting itself and keeping itself at a stable temperature. So um, having that air cooler does seem to make a difference with that kind of stuff with keeping it at a very stable temperature, and it also increases the life of your CPU, so... And they're really easy to install. Yeah. Uh, I did it on my regular 15-minute break the last time I did it. And if you're not real familiar with it, probably a lunch break would be enough time to pull one off, remove the paste, put new paste on there, and slap another one on. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah, and usually they all come with instructions that are pretty universal for what you're working with, so. Yeah. So, um, that being said, um, Nip, you had a story? I did, just one thing. I know a lot of you guys play mostly PC, but for those of you that are interested in trying to get an Xbox One X or S, uh, on the 13th of May, Xbox released a pilot program um, to help customers, consumers, get one of these consoles. The main difference for this is that you have to own an Xbox One currently. And what you have to do is download the Insider app on your Xbox, and then you can choose to join the pilot program. And if you are selected, they will send you a message saying, hey, you know, you basically you pick which one you want, an X or an S. And if you're selected, they'll say, hey, we have this in stock right now. You're up in the queue. Do you want this? Yes or no. If you hit yes, they'll charge whatever card or whatever your payment method is for your current Xbox and then they will ship it to you directly. Um, What's the the start date on this? Right now. You can go do it right now. Um, I actually did it earlier this week. It was fairly simple. Um, The whole point of this is to weed out scalpers because you cannot do this on PC. You have to do it specifically through the Insider app on an Xbox One. And then Um, they'll send you like an email? uh, They'll actually send you a message from Microsoft in ch- in your uh, chat menu well, on the Xbox. So I could pick up that message on the Xbox app on PC then, right? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't checked it. I don't know if it'll talk to your Xbox app or not. I know. Well, I don't know if it does on the app, but I know I get messages about new games, and anytime somebody sends me a message on Xbox, I can read it on the app on PC. 
probably. But like I said, the whole point is to help weed out scalpers and to actually get the console into the hands of people who actually want one to play it. So it's a pilot program. Not everyone who enters this will get one. They're going to go through. I don't I don't think they said when yet, but they're going to go through and they're going to message everybody who has been selected that you've been put into this queue. And then later on, they'll come back to you once you're up for it. So just something to keep an eye out if you are interested in getting a new Series X or S console, which I really wish they would have changed the name on those. Cause yeah, it's stupid. it's confusing too. Yeah, um, it's funny. I was trying to be really discreet here, and I guess you couldn't hear it, but I got you started on that story. So Lola has this uh, ritual every night where she has to go to the kids' room um, and then check to see if the kids there. Now the problem is she scratches the bottom of the door, um, <laughs> and it it's starting to mess up the door. So I had to sneak over there, and I forgot I hadn't declinked her, and taken off her collar because you can hear her everywhere. And so I'm like, I put the headphones down to where I could hear what you're saying to like stretch over there, grab the dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're trying to explain that. I was like, you know what? I can set him up with a story and then go grab the dog. I saw what you were doing there. <laughs> trying to be sly, but I figured I'd call myself out. It would have been funny if it was on camera. Um, in about four hours, Epic's got a new game coming out for free. Um, the last time they did something like this where there's a mystery game, it was Grand Theft Auto V. If it is Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That'd be fucked up. That'd be awesome, but that'd be fucked up for you. Yeah, it'll probably be an older game that's big, is what I imagine. Um, by the time this is released, we'll know what it is. In fact, you guys will probably be talking about it on TVGP tomorrow. So the episode that's posted about the same time, I would probably imagine you guys will say something about that. Um. And if you haven't, now I've given you an idea for something to bring up on TVGP. Yeah. Um, so, you know, listen to TVGP tomorrow and you can find out what we we're talking about tonight. Because <laughs> uh, so we record late Saturday night and TVGP records uh, Sunday afternoon. Sunday right? afternoon, yeah. Like what about it's like four or five ish o'clock my time. <sighs> five well, Eastern. And I think it's like two Pacific. Oh, yeah. Because Boston, that works out. Boston's in California, right? Yeah. Yeah. And. For me, I'm central, so it's 4 o'clock my time. But speaking of big announcements um, for things that are coming out, Polygon dropped an announcement that said uh, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance is coming to Xbox PC or Xbox Game Pass at launch. Um, I don't, have you been following any of that, or did you play the original Dark Alliance? I actually own both of them for the PS2, and it's on the shelf back there. So That is one of the first games that me and John... From uh, picking up the Pixels co-op that years and years and years ago. Yeah, it's a really great... I hope this is the same, because I haven't really read up a whole lot on it, but I really hope that this captures the magic of the original. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's one of four players. It is up to four-player co-op, and it is in the area of Icewind Dale. Nice. So you could play four-player co-op with it. Um Crossplay is supported through Windows PC and Xbox. So if you get it on Xbox, I could play it on PC and play it. Um, I'm looking to actually play this. I've been watching some of the uh, people play this, but it's going to be on Xbox One and Series X to all Game Pass subscribers. Um, you'll also be able to play it on Windows 10 PCs. 
um, via Xbox Cloud Gaming. Oh, and at, via Xbox Cloud Gaming. I was going to say, I don't want to stream it. <laughs> um, but I'm interested because it looks like a game I can play on stupid settings on the PC. That's the only reason. Like, if it's one of the ones that's an exclusive that I can play on PC, I'll probably opt. But having crossplay for a game like this is actually really cool. Um, I don't know if you ever played State of Decay 2, but it has crossplay between Xbox and PC. Oh, okay. And it works flawlessly. Um, the same thing goes for your world. Uh, it saves on the cloud, so you basically can pick up where you left off on PC or Xbox, no matter where you're at. Nice. Um, so I have, if it's being developed with that in mind, I, I feel very strongly between the crossplay and on PC versus Xbox. Not the biggest Xbox fanboy, but I will say the Game Pass thing is like the best deal in video gaming right now. Yeah. Um, I got a decent selection. I mean, as long as you play at least three AAA games and they bring out AAA games almost once a month at least, I mean, it pretty much pays for itself. Yeah, I was that what 120 bucks a year? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. So you basically pay two AAAs and then you've gotten your money's worth. Um, but you know, just I probably play something on it at least once a month, if not more. Right. Um, a game that I talk about a lot that's on there is a uh, Phoenix Point. So if you're into all the uh, strategy x kind of shit, um, that is a game that's on there that I think is in a great spot for you to play. It was Initially, it was kind of shit. was not balanced, um, to be very honest with that, but I think it's in a really good spot right now. That's going to have a release for... Oh, I should have pulled that out. Let's see. Phoenix Point. Something Skies. Desolate Skies, maybe? Let's see. DLC is probably I should probably have typed. That just completely derailed us here. Festering skies, man. I was close. News on this. Oh, I got a roadmap. <laughs> yeah. Festering Skies is supposed to be May 25th, according to the roadmap, if that's still accurate. That sounds right. And that's two weeks from now. So if you're still playing Phoenix Point, the DLC's been pretty worth it so far. Um, I decided to pause my game again and then wait for the last... I think this will be the last big DLC. Everything else will be quality of life. But they've put a lot of hard work into it. And Julian Gollop has redeemed himself, I think. I, I like to be what that... About, what about Corrupted Horizons that's supposed to be coming out late summer? Oh, I forgot. Well, thank you for looking at the roadmap. <laughs> and there's DLC 5, which is classified for winner. Jesus. <laughs> They're just going to keep going with this game. I guess, man. That's crazy. I guess I need to just play it again once this comes out. But it's Wasteland 2 has a, or Wasteland 3 has a big DLC plan coming out um, early June. I want to say like June 2nd or something like that. So, like, I can only play one turn based game like that at a time. Yeah. Um, it's because they're long play games and then you kind of get lost in what you're doing before. So you kind of got to focus on that and maybe one other game at a time. I don't know about you, but I usually got a game at three up to three game rotation, but they kind of have to be three separate types of games. Yeah. So for me, it's that's got like a JRPG on the side and then like elite dangerous and then some other random thing. And then I have to have notes that way. I remember what I was doing. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's Half-Life for me and VR, right? And then I've got Elite, 
right? And Odyssey's about to come out. Subnautica. And then maybe I'll play a turn-based game. But I'm not going to be playing a lot of new. I'm going to be playing some Odyssey, and then, you know, my fiance's going to be here next week, so I'll probably only get to talk about Odyssey. And then she really wants to play something kind of scary in VR. I don't know why she wants to do that. but um, So maybe I'll just drop her in a Half-Life, because I feel like that's tame enough. <laughs> um, but anyways... <clears throat> um, I kind of got thrilled here. Um, I will. I wanted to go over headsets for just a second for VR. So Valve is releasing the Vive Pro Two. Um, the Vive Pro Two though it comes at a really hefty cost. So let's just talk about what it's got. Um, versus other things. So let's talk about a Vive Pro. Vive Pro has a resolution of 1440 by 1600 per eye. Resolution on the Vive Pro 2 is 2048 by 2448, which is, I believe, native for the Oculus Quest 2. The refresh rate on a Vive Pro is 90 hertz, where the Vive Pro 2 is 120 hertz. Again, something you can get on Oculus Quest 2. Field of view is 120 degrees, and field of view on the Pro is 110 degrees. I want to say on the Oculus Quest, it's probably 100 degrees. I want to say it's lower. Still need the base stations. It still needs the Vive Pro controllers. But um, the price point on the full kit is almost $1,400. Jeez. Um, I've seen some other things. I pulled this from PC Gamer. They got a comparison between the two. Um, one thing that this has over Oculus Quest, though, is it's got a little it's going to have a clearer picture no matter what even though the resolution on the quest 2 is can be that high and then with super sampling can be the same um it uses display point port 1.2 uh is it display port 2 now is the newest one cuz this is top of my head I don't remember so it has compatibility with display port display port 1.2 Whatever the new version of DisplayPort is is what it's got, but it comes at a price point of thirteen ninety nine for the full kit, or seven forty nine for just the headset. Now, thinking about it, the controllers are pretty expensive for the touch controllers that uh, Valve makes. Um, this is for those of us that that do shit gold. I have no doubt um, that this is a premium VR experience. I will tell you though. Um, there's not a whole lot in VR space right now that justify the hefty price tag. If you're an elite player, I feel like it's a necessity is a strong word, but I think it absolutely enhances the experience a ton. Yeah. Um, I am discovering new games that I'll report on as I go. Um, one I'm started on is called Until You Die, which I think is the best uh, VR sword game I've ever played so far. Um, it's a roguelite, which means that it has a lot of replayability. I've seen, I've seen a lot of reviews of people like 400 hours in VR in this game. Um, I'll talk about it more as I go. I have one really big issue with it, though, right now. So I feel super bad about this, but I'm going to tell myself. This game is one of those games where you're swinging your hands for swords, right? It does some really cool things. It has you. It shows you the angle you need to place your sword to block. And it does a lot of dual wielding. So, like, I've got a dagger in my left hand, and I've got a sword in my right hand. And it lets you pick what your dominant hand is, so you can put what you want in your right, whatever hand. But it'll yeah. flash an image of a line that you need to put your sword in to block the thing. And so you got to block, block, block. And then you've got to swing your sword at different angles based on what's open for you to hit on the enemy. And then you start to build combos 
and then you can like break their guard and then do another combo. Like uh, when you do the combo, they'll lower the guard and you can get some real damage in. Um, it uses regular locomotion plus a dash for your teleport. So when you teleport into somebody, you dash damage them or stun them for a second so you can open up. Um, but the combo system is really fucking cool. And it does damage based on how fast you swing your controller and how big the arc is or the angle of attack is. So your damage is based on how hard you swing and how big you swing, so to speak. Um, so my dog, just wandering around, curious as to why I'm swinging my arms like a crazy person, got right in front of me. I wasn't paying attention. I whopped the shit out of my dog right on the nose. And it has taken all week for her to warm up for me to even touching the controllers. And I felt so bad. I felt like an abusive father. I felt so bad. Like, as soon as I did it, I was like, oh, shit, that was my dog. Because I heard the yelp. I was like, oh, fuck, what did I just do? So I pull off, you know, just die, whatever is going on, right? Pull off my headset and look at her. And she's, like, looking at me like I just, I'm the worst person in the world. And I felt so bad. And, like, I've been taking the controllers and, like, putting them up in her bed and, like, putting them on her face and, like, putting them on my face. It's like, hey, these are okay. I'm not going to hit you. I promise. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so I've got a warmer up for me swinging my arms again, which is another reason I actually started playing Half-Life because I'm shooting stuff. I'm not throwing anything, right? Yeah, and not I wildly was, flailing. Yeah. <laughs> but I believe it's called Until You Die um, is a or Until the End. It's one of the two. Um, but it's a roguelike. I did pay full price for it and have no no regrets. No regrets. Um, a lot of replayability. Looks really good, really crisp, runs really high frame rate. Um, no weird setting that I had to mess with. In fact, it was one of the games that runs 120 hertz without any kind of issue. Um, I think it's one of the best, like, I call them like sword and shield games in VR that I've played in a while. That'll be another one that I highlight this year. I think it's... I've played two or three hours, I think, of it so far. Um, it is a workout. It will leave your arms tired. Um, but it is actually listed on the... There's a couple of websites that do rate games on how physical they are. Um, that is one of the ones I think I'm going to play further throughout the year. Another quick announcement games is a game called Ragnarok um, that has a bunch of power metal songs that you play drums in a Viking longship to. So kind of nice. like a Beat Saber, but you're playing... If, this is going to be a really niche audience. Uh, if you know what Glasshammer is, um, there are Glasshammer tracks in there. They're all real tracks. They are not tracks just made for the game. They're like Norse power metal bullshit um, that you're playing drums to. And it lays the drums out kind of like a beat saber, so to speak. But it's called Ragnarok. It's an early access with a really big track list. And the idea is to drum really well so your Viking longship races really fast. And you've got player versus player in it, and then you've got, like, the ghost player versus player where you're just trying to beat other people's times, um, and then just, like, different levels, right, with different songs. Uh, but you're playing uh, drums with your controllers um, to the beat. Um, nice. With, and it's all power metal, so this is not slow beats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a lot of, like, speedy, speedy, fast stuff. So I'm, like, pretty interested in that. When it drops on sale, I'm probably going to pick it up, because... I can uh, I can wail with the best of them. Um, quick update on display ports because I had to look this up real quick. 
1.4 is what we're currently on. 2.0 technically came out last year, but you know, shortages. So. <laughs> gotcha. And then 1.4 is, you know, it's not as good as HDMI 2.1, but 2.0 is supposed to be better. If you really care about the lingo at all. If not, just ignore the last two seconds. Well, okay. You just opened up the door, so I'm going to talk about it for a second. <laughs> so I measured the... So the, the cable that, you know, I'm using an aftermarket USB-C to USB-3 adapter, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a... And it's one of those, it's, I guess it's a pass, it's a powered cable, right? Yep. So, um, I have that plugged in and I was testing the speed of that cable and it was 2.6 giga, is it gigabits a second? Does that sound about right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Okay. So it's like 2.6. Shit. <laughs> it's, well, that was the speed it measured on my port, right? And the top speed that I could get to transfer via the Oculus, you know, workspace was 500. Um, I don't know. And that was running at super sampled 4096 resolution per eye. It can be up to 10 gigabits per second if you have the right cable slash port combination. But I'm just wondering, like, does that just give you a shitload of overhead so that it runs more smooth? Or I wonder what the data transfer rate is on the Vive Pro for the, you know, the data that's going to each eye. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, like how much difference does that make? Because your PC can only get so powerful before, like you know, I've accidentally, you know, playing with super sampling, got mine basically up to over eight thousand pixels an eye, um, which did run a little bit like a slideshow, um, because you know there's not really a lot of cards that are built out there for that. Um, but forty ninety six is a pretty incredible resolution on an HMD, and I think that's it's also. Well, I think it's also just part of, like, future-proofing it a little bit. Like, you you don't need your computer to run at 400 frames per second right now. No. But you could. You could, but you don't really... I I feel like over 90 90 hertz, I I can't hardly tell the difference, to be honest with you. Yeah. Which, I mean, like I said, maybe right now we won't. Maybe some technology in the future will take that and do something with it or maybe it'll just always be that you know dick measuring thing of oh yeah well blah well like they've <laughs> got those new monitors that are like over 300 hertz yeah like i i don't i can't tell the difference like once you get into 100 hertz territory i really can't tell the difference now i can tell you after playing with 60 hertz versus 90 hertz i can tell the difference there um but 60 hertz also seems fairly buttery smooth and then once you get into like the, you know, well, when you talk in terms of FPS, because Hertz and FPS kind of go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. But when you're at 60 FPS, right, it feels pretty butter smooth. You go to 90 FPS, feels soup. It's, it's like I can't even tell the difference between where there was a change in frame here. Yeah. Um, it just it's, feels it's like. It's like and, the whole difference between movie quality and soap opera, TV soap opera quality, where it's like, this looks a little too real and it doesn't seem right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like over smooth, but like once yeah. you get into like the 120 hertz or, or 120 FPS and higher, like it feels unnecessary. Uh, like I could barely tell, like there's a 72 hertz and a uh, 90 hertz mode on the Quest 2, and I can barely tell a difference between the two, with even with my eyeballs on the screen, basically. So, you know, like once you get into that stupid territory, I don't, 
I don't, I don't, it's a why question. Yeah. Um, and running at that higher resolution, I can see getting even higher resolution on an HMD, but like when you're running two pictures at essentially true 4K, like that's, that takes a lot of horsepower to your machine. I do hear my fans spin up when I'm running a game like that. Like that's yeah, just yeah. all that extra processing and shit to run the same image twice at the same, you know, rate. And it's running but, at a higher frame rate than I run at most games. And it's running a mirrored screen on my TV all at the same time. So it's kind of like running a game three times at once. <laughs> right? Um, quick pro tip. If you lower the resolution on Elite on your PC on the mirrored screen, it does make a difference on frame rate, by the way, uh, when running a <laughs> VR, if you want to really maximize your graphic settings. Um, but anyways, I digress. I really don't have much else. I kind of tossed in those extra things because... Hey, they're a thing. I've been talking a lot about VR, and I'm going to continue to. I just convinced Rusty right before he left for Michigan to uh, start playing around in VR on Elite, and I feel like he's going to continue to He's going to follow me on this train. I feel like the next time you go to his apartment, it's going to look like the fucking holodeck. Well, <laughs> I won't oversay this, but Rusty kind of has like the ultimate bachelor pad. Like He's got... A TV he never uses and a ridiculous monolith of a PC. Uh, Rusty yeah. has the fucking platinum standard PC right now, running a 3090 and 32 gigs of RAM at on a. I think his XMP profile is at 3600 hertz. Um, he's running a i9 on that thing. Um, like he just he could only barely get better, and it's water cooled. Um, I have an air cooled machine. <laughs> Um, I only that, give Rusty shit because I'm jealous of how bleeding edge he is on technology right now. <laughs> yeah, well, he just doesn't have the crazy HMD. But there's not a like I said, there's not a lot of VR. I'll continue to tell you, I'm really picky with it. Right, a shared library with a friend of mine who also has too much money. Um, who buys like almost every VR game. Um, I can continue to review stuff because he's on Alaska time, so he's three hours behind me. So there's a lot of he likes to, you know, him and his girlfriend like to drink at night. So after, I don't know, eight o'clock my time, I basically have free access to his library all the time. So um, anything VR that I want to try, he's probably already got. So I can continue to talk about it. Um, but anyways, I think it's about time for us to wrap up the show. I guess yeah. I'm used to asking somebody else. So I got to readjust my thinking here. All right, so. You can find us at TiltCast.com. You can find us on Spotify by searching TiltCast. Um, you can find us on iTunes um, as well. Find us on Twitter.com slash TiltCast, Facebook.com slash TiltCast, and YouTube.com slash TheRealTiltCast. Something that would help us out a lot is if you would actually subscribe on iTunes. Of course, it's free. We don't charge anything. We make $0 on this. This is only a professional hobby. But if you get the word out and subscribe on Spotify or on iTunes, that would help us out a lot. And leave us a review on iTunes. iTunes has a crazy algorithm that if you don't have a lot of reviews, it doesn't put you up on the thing. We've only gotten a crazy amount of views when we first launched the show 11 years ago. Um, but if you would do us a favor and uh, write us a quick review and say you like video games, that would be great. You don't have to say anything. You can even say that Nas is a big old dickhead and put that on there or they might bind you. So... Anyways, um, do that for us. Um, you can find some friends of the show. You've got For the Love of Gaming. 
We've got Cabbage, KBG. We've got NoQuarters.net, BMFCast.com, actually wearing one of their t-shirts right now. And you've got TVGP.TV. They sometimes do podcasts with us. And with that, <laughs> it is the end of the show. Bye. <laughs>